This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast from AllComic.com, episode 131. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Lamron Miyasha, and today we've got a monster-sized podcast to talk about a new Shonen Jumps alpha that's really hit big. We're talking, of course, about Kaiju Number Eight by Nyoya Matsumoto. This new series has definitely kind of quickly become popular, and we have a very special podcast to discuss why that may be. We have on the full localization team. We've got the editor Carla Clark. We've got translator David Evelyn, and we've got letterer Brandon Bovia. We've got the real powerhouse team creative team behind kaiju number eight to come on and talk about it with us and really this is less a podcast about kaiju number eight so much as a podcast about what goes into localizing uh simul published manga by means of kaiju number eight i really love how the discussion evolved it went to a much bigger place than i expected and I think you are really, really going to enjoy all the insights these awesome folks had to share with us. So, so number one, I, be- I, I believe you should refer to him as industry legend Brandon Bovia. I mean, come oh, on. Oh, the prince of letterers, Brandon Bovia. Oh, okay, okay. So sorry. At the time, at the time we recorded this discussion, uh, that was not decided upon just yet. Now he's been crowned a new title. <laughs> Uh, all, all hail Prince Brandon. Um, but yeah, uh, secondly, I totally agree. This was a really great discussion. I also agree that like, I really like where the discussion went, you know, like you just mentioned, you know, this, this became so much more about, you know, so much more than just like, Hey, let's talk about a new series. And like, we, we really like, uh, we really did a, uh, a great deep, a deep dive into like, what goes into the process of, you know, simul publishing, uh, any particular manga title. And, uh, I, I, I feel like we really learned a lot. And, uh, I hope everybody listening to this will, uh, will learn something new about the simul publishing, uh, uh, the Cyberpub game and, you know, how, how all that works. It's honestly, I, I really do think this is probably like one of our most like informative podcasts to date. Absolutely. It's rare that you can have on the editor, translator and letter of a series all on together to just discuss their work and their collaborative and creative process. I think this was pointed out in the episode how special that really is, and I'm really glad that we were able to make it happen and create such a really thorough, entirely entertaining discussion. Mm-hmm, for sure. It was really fun. I loved having all these guys on, and we'll definitely have them all on again at some point, I'm sure. Um, but for now, I think I think we should get into we should get into this uh, uh, kaiju of a podcast. Feels weird saying monster uh, because of uh, it's called kaiju number eight, not monster number eight. Depending on where you read it, <laughs> I'm hearing a roar in the distance, so I think it's a good time, Sandy, to take shelter and read some manga, or in your case, listen to this great podcast. Please evacuate. Evacuate. Please evacuate. 
When you're fighting Kaiju, you're gonna have to deal with a lot of tough shit. Literally, in the case of the protagonist of this manga. That's right, today we're covering the new Shonen Jump Cyber Pub Kaiju Number no. 8 by Naoya Matsumoto, a new giant monster fighting manga about a 32-year-old man's decision to graduate from cleanup crew duty and join the Pan's Defense Force to fight the monsters himself. His only problem, or rather his biggest problem, he can turn into a monster himself! The series just debuted last month, but has already acclaimed a lot of buzz and is a huge hit so far. So we've brought on the globalization team beyond the series to share their thoughts on why it might be the next big thing. We've got returning guests to the show, Brandon Bovia, letterer on not only this series, but Hard Boiled Cop and Dolphin and Dragon Ball Super, among many others. Hi! And we're excited to invite on the show two new guests. We've got translator David Evelyn, who's also a translator on Undead Unluck. Hi, that's me. And we've got Cora Clark, editor for not only Kaiju Number 8, but also Undead Unluck, Magical, and the recently concluded Mitama Security. Indeed, hello out there. Thanks for coming on, everyone. We're really excited to talk to you guys about the series and your work on the series. This is uh, one of the more exciting, like, new debuts that I've seen uh, in the community surrounding a new Jump series. Like, I have not seen this excitement for a new one since Spy Family, which is appropriate because it's, it's also a Jump Plus series. And yeah, it was really exciting to have like all the first five chapters all drop at once, and then it's a weekly Sonic Pub continuing from there. So yeah, I think this is one that a lot of people are looking forward to. And in general, I guess before we get into the series and your work on the series, why don't you maybe go over some of the work that you do in general, uh, and at Viz in particular? Uh, I guess Brandon should start? Oh, okay, sure, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, industry veteran. Yeah, <laughs> industry legend. <laughs> oh, industry oh, legend. Oh, here we go again. Yeah. Industry legend. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you guys would be lucky to <laughs> share the same space as an industry legend with me. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> uh, I'm Brandon Bovia. I'm a freelance manga letterer, so I do a lot of the, like, text design, basically, if I had to boil it down. Things like sound effects and signs and the dialogue... Uh, if you ever, like, look at a manga and go, like, wow, that font is really nice, I probably picked it. Um, and I work on manga such as, was mentioned earlier, uh, Dragon Ball Super, Hard Boiled Cup and Dolphin, Kaiju Number 8, of course, um, and some other Viz titles as well, like Snow White with the Red Hair, uh, Transformers the Manga, and a few other exciting things coming down the line. Yeah, I'm excited for Transformers Volume 3 dropping in October. Yes, yes, that's, we're so close. Your work on that's been beautiful. Thank you so much. It's It's been a pleasure, honestly. You, you also got to work on uh, Neolation, which I believe every volume of that is out at this point. Yes. It uh, is. I guess that... <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, is there more than one volume of that? Uh, there's three. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Shit. There's a whole three. Um, and, uh, Carlo was the editor for the, um, the graphic novel or the, like the, the digital graphic novel version. Ah. So we got to, we got to collab on that a little nice. bit, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've done some other, like, I've been lettering for Shonen Jump since like fall 2017. So I did a lot of jump starts from that era. Um, and once we moved from the, um, the magazine format to like the full simul pub format you know i've I've done lettering for series like neolation tokyo shinobi squad and guardian of the witch i think mm -hmm. a lot of really cool 
albeit short-lived Shonen Jump series. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping Kaiju number eight doesn't fall to the same fate. <laughs> Don't jinx it. <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's all about me. Yeah, and David, would you also like to go into your uh, work? Uh, sure. Uh, hi, my name is David Evelyn. Uh, hi, I'm David. A- hi, <laughs> damn, like like Alcoholics Anonymous, my favorite. Uh, so, um, I'm a I'm a translator. I've been translating for like a a while now, like almost a decade and a half now, I think. But uh, I've only started doing official manga work as of uh. I want to say it was like last year, uh, and I didn't really even start on a manga. I started on uh, the Tokyo Ghoul Rizaki. I don't know what the English title is now. It's all messed up. But uh, <laughs> I think you got it right, Zaki Ri. It's gonna come out in November. Yes, it's coming out in November. Uh, I think they swapped the title. It's like Tokyo Ghoul Re Illustration Zaki instead of Tokyo Ghoul. Zaki re I don't know whatever <laughs> anyway uh, I worked on that with uh, with Viz editor uh, Joel Enos and uh, another legend uh, that was my another legend of the industry uh, very awesome dude and we uh, basically after that I started working on Undead Unluck and that's been my little uh, pet project for Viz and uh, I guess by proxy Shueisha for. Uh, I think has it's been like a year now, like officially a year ever since I started Undead Unluck. So, yeah, that's my manga work. I have a whole bunch of other stuff though. I've like I've translated anime, games, visual novels, light novels, the the works, uh, you know. So, yeah. Per- personally, I'm I'm really glad you're still getting to work on Undead Unluck because I, I I really like that series in particular. Oh yeah, I uh I think I I like listened. I was like searching for stuff on Undead Unluck, and I think I stumbled upon your podcast, like the episode that you did, did on Undead Unluck, <laughs> like back in March or something like that. I, I can't remember, but it was, uh, it, was a good, it was a good listen. I like hearing people's opinions on the series and, and stuff I work on, so. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And I also listened to your, uh, your Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Ah, there uh, we go. Because second only to Brandon, I'm like the biggest Yu-Gi-Oh! nerd around. So <laughs> was, really... I think you got that backwards. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got it backwards. No, you're the industry legend around here. You should take credit. Shut up. Yeah, I guess you're gonna have to fight a duel over who is the true king oh, of the geez. king of games. Oh, yeah, yeah. Br- <laughs> Brandon, how it works is you can't be an industry legend and a Yu-Gi-Oh! fan at the same time. That's not how that works. <laughs> oh, okay, I've got to pick one. Only one title. You gotta be fair. <laughs> Absolutely. You can't be an industry legend and the king of games. It's not how that works. That's cheating. Uh, I've only got time for one. Cheating. Yeah. You do a lot of awesome work. I really enjoy Undead and Luck now. It's really become a lot, a lot of fun. And yeah, and Carla, you also work on Undead and Luck and a ton of other series too. Work on so many things I forget. Um, <laughs> 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 what I work on. Um, but for Shonen Jump, uh, yeah. I'm the, I guess I'm the industry newbie. I don't know. I haven't come up with a snappy title, but I haven't been in this very long. And so I work on Undead Unluck. Of course, Vitama wrapped up. I used to work on Yui Kamiya. Of course, that wrapped up. I took over like maybe three quarters of the way through the series. Oh, um, <laughs> and of course, Mashal. Um, I am missing something. Oh, kaiju number eight. Of course, why we're here. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Let's be forget. Is I, that what this I podcast even, is about? 
oh yeah is that why i'm here no um <sighs> i also work on some books so i'm like in a weird position where i'm like half shonen jump and like half kind of like the graphic novel side um so i also work on snow white with the red hair with brandon um of course because he's industry legend and <laughs> um i work on daytime shooting star which is another shoujo title i work on a lot of urasawa so i did mujirushi um, oh yeah! Ooh. I took over 20th Century Boys, um, and mm. I don't know what number anymore. And I um, <laughs> am working on Asadora, which was just recently announced. Um, so I guess I can talk about it now. Um, and I am also working on Zom 100, uh, Bucket List of the Dead, which is also announced. I was literally googling like, what have we announced? Because I'm always like in this weird <laughs> place. So, like, have we announced these things? Can I talk about them? Um, so yeah, those announced series are with me, and I may or may not be forgetting something. I guess technically I'm the Yu-Gi-Oh editor now, but we're, we don't currently have a, a Yu-Gi-Oh series running. Um, I wrapped up Arc V literally at the last volume, so I'm... <laughs> like a- <laughs> yeah, did they ever make a Reigns manga? Nope. That has never come. Oh, man. No, uh, rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so only only you get able to get a simul simul cast, but not the one that gets a manga. Ironically, <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny how that works? Yeah, yeah I know, right? It's like karma. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm sure the sevens manga will come out if it hasn't already. Yeah, mm, yeah. Um, yeah, Carla. It sounds like you work on a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, I do like working on um, Urasawa quite a bit. So. Um, He's one of my favorites too. So it's been really fun. I'm really looking forward to to Asadora when it drops and seeing how people feel about it. So, <laughs> oh yeah, Asadora, that's going to be exciting because that's the first time I think we're getting an Urasawa manga as it's still running in Japan. So that's really cool. And we recently read Mujirushi for the show, and that was a ton of fun too. So props to your work on that. Thank you. <laughs> also, really good work on a Mitama Security. As well, yeah. we really love that series. My heart. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just stopped yeah. using Twitter at that point. I think if I looked back at the date, I would be like, I really kind of stopped posting around the time that Mitama was gone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of nice love thrown the author's way on Twitter. That's good. Like yeah. A lot of encouragement and support. That was my first Shonen Jump series that I did from start to finish and got to really choose my team and like, like, be really involved. And so, like, every other series I had, which really was just Yugi Yugi Kami. I don't know why I make it sound like I worked on, like, a thousand Jump series. Um, <laughs> <laughs> after Yugi Kami. Well, at this point. <laughs> but I got me Tama, and I was like, wow, this is my baby. This is the first... Actually, it was the first thing at Viz, in general, that I got to pick everything from beginning. Everything else I inherited at that point. Oh, And wow, so, wow, I have, wow. like, That's a very, exciting. like... <laughs> like, I'm very, like... Like, I don't know, attached to Mitama. So when I found out it was ending, I was distraught. <laughs> oh, oh. That's unfortunate. You and translator Amanda Haley did a lot of really great work on the series, especially translating very Japanese humor in a way that's really funny in English. I was so, so. fortunate to have her because she's actually really good at that. And so I was, <laughs> I was very, very, very fortunate that I she's chose her for that series. And she did an amazing job, like, just figuring out all the puns and, like, finding out what the original was in Japanese so that we could try and find some workable English thing. And like, that was a lot of fun. A lot of stress, but a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. 
Yeah, you guys do a ton of amazing work and a lot of different amazing series. But yeah, I would love to go into a lot of those at different times. But to focus on the subject of Kaiju number eight, what makes this, you know, you guys have had experience with all these different series. What makes Kaiju number eight stand out as something really special? What were your first impressions of the series when you first got wind of it and then started working on it? Um, I, I, who wants to go first? <laughs> well, yep, you spoke first. It's your, all your statement. <laughs> Whoever says um goes first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throw me to the wolves? All right, it's fine. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Kaiju number eight, uh, when I first, when Carla came up to me with the prospect of, you know, getting another, you know, title, uh, you know, I was already like knee deep in, you know, a lot of other stuff, so. Uh, I actually hadn't even heard of it until then, um, but then, you know, I uh, I read, like, the first, like, chapter, two chapters on Jump Plus, and I was like, wow, this is really, really dope. I, I haven't read anything like this in quite some time, uh, where it's kaiju, like, you know, a lot. I've seen a lot of kaiju manga, but this is a, a very fresh take on it, because a lot of the other kaiju manga I've read is focusing mainly on the kaiju or like someone involved with like a kaiju attack so it's not really the same vibe as what this is because the title is actually kind of misleading right like it says like kaiju number eight and you're like oh it must be about like this like giant ass godzilla monster or something but you know and then you get to the first like chapter it's like some schlubby 30 year old right it's like (laughs) (laughs) dope all right (laughs) but um, yeah, I just, you know, when I first read, like, the fir- like first two chapters in Japanese, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna drone on any more than that. But yeah, I thought it was really, really freaking cool. Yeah, I think you're on point there. It's like, it does really misdirect you. Of like, oh, it's just gonna be like Ziga, where it's like, the yeah. title of the series is named after, like, the antagonist of the series. But then it's like, oh, no. Is there's more going on than that. It's a very interesting world. But yeah, I mean, Carla, I guess as the editor, you would actually have been the first one to kind of get assigned and become aware of the title. So I'm actually curious in like your first impressions. Um, so Kaiju number eight. Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, I looked at that one. And I remember thinking like, is this just like another generic monk, like, you know, uh, monster thing? giant monsters fighting giant monsters and i was like why is it trending on twitter um (laughs) 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 i'm a twitter twitter trends person so i was like hmm i was like let me go investigate this and i was like oh my god this actually does read like i was like this is like a very interesting story that's being told here and i personally gravitate towards older protagonists because i guess i'm old now by twitter standards um yeah but mm-hmm. yeah join the club <laughs> <laughs> join the club <laughs> so. yeah there really aren't a lot of like shonen jump manga in particular that feature protagonists any like any older than like maybe like 25 at most yeah yeah even that feels like pushing it mhm i mean yeah that's honestly one of the most like interesting unique parts of Kaiju number eight is it is about someone in their 30s like you don't see protagonist that old and it's like about you know someone saying hey i'm not too old to give up on my dream and join the fight which is a really cool angle yeah i think that's what resonates with people 
yeah, for me, certainly, as a person who feels like I was always late to things <laughs> in life, <laughs> it's like, here's another person who doesn't have it figured out. I guess like when people used to say adulting, but I'm going to say it now and it's going to make me sound old to Twitter. But you know what? It's fine. Um, he's trying to like figure out how to adult in the way that he envisioned in his mind. And I think like for millennials in particular, I think maybe like since we've been dealt like sort of bad hands throughout life, like this is our second recession, um, <laughs> that um, it can be like, I don't know, just hyper relatable to, to feel like you can't start your life or like maybe the things that you envision in life had to get pushed off um, yeah. deeper yeah. into like your, right. you know, and you think like, oh, I'm too old. But then you kind of get there and you realize that you're not and you can still go after dreams. And I think that's very relatable at this time. Definitely. Oh, yeah. And the series doesn't shy away that there are some complications that come with age. Like, during the first part of the exam, the fitness test, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. finds himself lagging behind some of the, you know, younger recruits. But then later in the second part of the exam, he is able to apply, like, his experience in the field uh, in the test and is able to provide really valuable support. So... I like that it shows both sides of like how age, you know, it can be a hindrance when you're competing with some younger people, but it also can be a huge advantage. Of course, and then you turn into a kaiju and it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then you turn into Devil Man and doesn't really matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Peak fitness. <laughs> yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, li- life really throws you some curveballs, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hate it when I turn into Devil Man. <laughs> All the time. I go to the bathroom and it's just like, oh man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Piss from your packs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right from the old nips. Yep. <laughs> that genuinely might be one of the funniest things in this manga, honestly. Oh, yeah. Oh, my well, gosh. That was definitely like the, the one. I was like, yeah, I'm sold on this series. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was the moment. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that really reminded me of like, which one is it? Scary Movie 2, where where you have the aliens and they like pee from their fingers or something. Pee from their fingers, yeah. <laughs> you should see how we pee. Oh my god. <laughs> I forgot about that and now it's all coming back. Yeah. I remember, <laughs> I remember that. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good shit. Yeah. <laughs> pissing pissing over your fingers good shit um, uh, honestly that, that's probably the best review we could give this series yeah, yeah. show's <laughs> over folks well, yeah I guess it's over that's the recommendation let's wrap it up <laughs> no uh, I mean actually Brandon I also want to hear like your uh, further impressions of the series as well well, uh, like I just said, uh, yeah, the, the the moment when he peed out of his nipples, that was the moment where I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, I'm in. Um, but really, I'm just, I'm sort of just, um, because I'm a freelancer and I work for so many different publishers on so many different kinds of manga, like, I'm I'm really just there to work on whatever. And I'm, I'm like, I'm attracted to good comics. So it, it is really just like, oh, you know, if I get a... I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put it this way. Maybe if I think it, it, it would take a lot for me to turn down a project for anything other than time. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> so really, it was just like, oh, okay, I'm in. Um, and then it just so happened that this happens to be a really, really good comic. Mm, yeah, I would definitely. argue that yeah. not even time can stop Brandon. <laughs> oh, yeah, fair. <laughs> I'm starting to. I'm starting to think that. No, I, me too. 
<laughs> from the same cloth, so it's like, unless it's like, my house is on fire, or my dog's girlfriend is in the oven, I'm not gonna, I'm definitely gonna accept a project no matter what. Yeah, basically. Your dog's girlfriend? Yeah. My, yeah. Dog's, yeah. You never had that problem? I'm sorry. No. <laughs> hey man, it happens, it my happens. My cat tried to jump in the oven one time, so this sounds <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, on, I mean, honestly, time shouldn't really be an issue for an industry legend. I mean, come no. on, yeah, definitely yeah. not. <laughs> Every time I think it is, I, it, it all sort of works out in the end. Yeah, man. Yeah, a legend has command of time. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, time bender. He's yeah, he's <laughs> well now. Okay, hold on. Brandon can't be a time bender, the king of games, and an industry legend. That's that's yeah, oh, too gotta, many titles. You gotta pick I, and choose. I, I would like to think that the the industry legend part is an all encompassing title, so it just is composed of all their mini titles. So because I'm an industry legend, that also means I'm uh, king of games. So you're like Lord Zeno, basically. Time. Yeah, exactly. So, so what? You, so what? You're that you're that kid on the playground who's like, I have the power of every power ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically, yeah. yeah. That's why the manga I work on turns out so good. Plus, plus infinity, plus a Google. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> basically, it all it all adds up. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to interject. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, uh, if I had to, uh, to boil down my process on getting on board on Kaiju 8, yeah, it is really just sort of like, I I don't hate it, and everything after that is just like a bonus, so, <laughs> and I have time. Well, actually, if if I can, like, uh, interject again with a little anecdote, when Carlo came up to me with the this, like, hey, so we're gonna do this series, and I'm like, oh, cool. And then I, you know, oh, here's the first two chapters on Jump Plus, and I read them, and, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm on board, cool, let's, you know, make a timeline and whatnot. And then she's just like, yeah, so I still need a letterer. And I'm like, oh, hmm, I got an idea. (laughs) (laughs) So so I was like, oh, you know, there's Brandon Bovia, he does good work, and she's just like, well, you know, you might be busy, and, you know, but I'm still going to message him. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then he's like, I got a job! And I'm like, yeah, I know! <laughs> I will say that I try to actively avoid Brandon. Not because I oh. not because I think that he's bad. Not even. Not even that. Brandon's actually one of the most reliable people I've worked with. And it's for that reason that I was like, I was like, Brandon deserves to like not have to do a million series. <laughs> Oh, nothing can stop Indian Street legend Brandon. I I really, I appreciate being looked out for. Because I knew he would say yes, even if it was wrong for him. And so, like, I have, like, this mama bear thing with my freelancers where I'm like, please take the time. If it's too much, you don't have to say yes to me. It's all right. (laughs) And, like... And I knew Brandon was doing a bunch of stuff because look at him on Twitter. That's all he does is talk about all the stuff he's doing. So you're like, <laughs> <laughs> we can't keep Yu-Gi-Oh fans down. We're very persistent. All right, we don't we're, care. Like, yeah, we're, we just don't sleep. <laughs> but then it didn't matter because I needed a letter, and I was like, well, I'm going to ask Brandon because he's reliable, and like I know that we work well together already because we were already doing Snow White, and I could trust him to do some more things because he was an industry legend. I knew that he could do things that I suck at, like choosing fonts. Um, 
is how that's partially how the dream team was born yeah yeah that's awesome so out of respect to Brandon, not because of, not because I hate you, Brandon. It was out of respect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I was I was gonna say I was gonna say I I thought it was because maybe you were so intimidated by all his titles that he apparently has. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. That's you. How could I ever? <laughs> How could I manage a legend? <laughs> just, just leave it to me. I got it. You guys are gonna make my ego go out of control. He's bigger than the kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> now wait a second. He can't be a kaiju, a time bender, a, t- a king of games, and an industry legend. That's cheating. Five titles. That's cheating. Oh well. I mean, his power output on those defense force suits would be a hundred percent. That's wow. how powerful he is. <laughs> He's pretty powerful. I'm a one hundred percent output manga letterer at all times. All right. <laughs> It's pretty dope, gotta, gotta say. <laughs> and Kaiju number eight looks great, partially in part because Brandon's really good at choosing the fonts for the series. And like, yeah, oh, thank and you. setting the size and everything. And like, I was just like, this is like so nice. I was like, this look, because I was like, I'm going to look at the fonts and I hope they're fine. And I like looked at it. I was like, wow. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to change yeah. any of these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm disappointed. You should have just used Bada Boom for everything. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I, look. Comic Sans was the number two, right? Oh gosh, <laughs> I figured as much. But that <laughs> is an interesting question. I am curious about your lettering choices for the series, Brandon. Like, what considerations did you put into them, into your font choices? Mm. And yeah, um, be- so I, I am of the personal opinion. And I think most letterers will probably agree with me on this, that, like, I, I think font choice is incredibly important because every single, like, every single font has, like, a sort of a different tone to it or sort of a different, like, every, everything, you know, like, the the way that, like, the letters have their own individual shapes can sort of enhance or distract from the particular kinds of, like, the the story and the emotions that the story is kind of like trying to convey and the art style and stuff like that. So that is my number one consideration most of the time. And I just <laughs> honestly, I get bored choosing the same things over and over again. So if you look at particularly my Shonen Jump work, and this is sort of the blessing in disguise of working on stuff that gets canceled really fast is that every time I start a new series, it's like, okay, I get to come at it with a fresh pair of eyes and pick new fonts and see, like, I, I take a hard look at the artwork and just go, like, what do I think will fit? So if you go, like, between Mutilation and Tokyo Shinobi Squad, use the same font. Um, and I use that same font on Transformers. And then after that, I'm like, I'm bored of it. I'll move on <laughs> to something else. Next time I pick something up. Um, the, the font for Guardian of the Witch is one called Samaritan Tall, which was a recommendation from a bunch of my letterer friends. And that one ended up saving my butt because Guardian of the Witch has these really tight word balloons. And most comic book fonts are, you know, they're designed for Western comics. Um, and English, you know, reads horizontally left to right. So they can, they can be, the letter forms in comic book fonts can be wide and it's usually okay. But in manga, because it's read vertically and right to left, space issues tend to crop up. So even even with that really thin font I picked for Guardian of the Witch, I still had some fitting issues, and I was just thinking the whole time on that series, like if I chose anything else, I would be I would be kicking myself right now. 
So, but a fun thing um, that I did with Kaiju number eight is that it's a font called um, Hush Hush, which the the last time I used it was on some old jump starts. I'm struggling to remember the name. Oh my gosh. Uh, it was, uh, they, they were both from 2018. It was like, oh, I'm from Japan. And um, uh, Seiji Tanaka, the, the like the mm, time travel yeah. businessman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those were the last time I used Hush Hush. So it's but, fu- it's funny <laughs> because I thought that uh, that font was Joe Kubert. Like at a glance, uh, like at a glance, it looks like Joe Kubert. Like, but it's actually you were like, oh no, it's Hush Hush, and I felt like a fool. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, continue, yeah, yeah. The the one special consideration, uh, well, like. So when I lettered, um, I'm from Japan and Seiji Tanaka, Hush Hush is a pretty, it's, it's a relatively wide comic font. So when I said, when I thought to myself, like, ah, I'm going to bring this back for Kaiju number eight, but I'm actually, uh, I'm doing a thing where it's actually like compressed, like the, the horizontal width is compressed, I think to about 90%, maybe 85. Oh, I see. So it looks a little bit tighter. Tighter. Um, yeah. and that's a, yeah. Uh, it's a similar technique that is done on. Um, I did it on Snow White with red hair as well. With um, meanwhile, so that's also meanwhile at like eighty five percent width. And I think I think One Piece does the same thing with wild words. Um, but it's just a, a nice little like thing that you can do, where the uh, some fonts still look pretty good when you squish them. And that was basically the main consideration that I had there. Was like I'm just gonna do this now so that if I have any space issues later then uh, they won't crop up. And I think all of the dialogue fonts, all the different dialogue fonts I use on Kaiju number eight might be like 85 to 90% width. I don't remember. Interesting. Those are the sorts of things I think about. This is like some true legend stuff right here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all these high level considerations that you make in advance to anticipate what you need. That was a more elaborate answer than I was expecting to give. But yeah, that's basically it. No, that's really fascinating. Actually, this is a good time to bring in uh, one of the questions we got off Twitter from fellow letter Sarah Lindsley, who works on series like that Wolf Boy is Mine and Sweat and Soap. And she asked, like, when you work on silent posts, you try to predict which styles you need, like reserving a font for flashbacks in case one pops up in a future chapter. Um, I think... If you look, if you look at my work, um, on Simulpub titles from like when I first started, if anyone still has the, the digital magazine Shonen Jumps, like look at my lettering style on, um, oh God, oh God, I'm flaking on the name. Oh no. Too many series. Uh, <laughs> He's done too the, much. That was my first Shonen Jump series. Uh, <laughs> Your legend is too long. He's the Doc Manhattan of <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Golem Arts. Go- no, Golem Hearts. Oh, Golem Hearts. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. my first Shonen Jump series uh, back from fall 2017. Um, so if you if somebody still has like the digital magazine from that time period, and you look back at my lettering on that, all, all, all those sorts of considerations that I'm making now were not being made. <laughs> so uh, not not that I think that my work on it was bad or anything, but. Um, for a while there, while like every time I picked up a new a new jump start, and then uh, once we stopped the jump starts, a new series, I would be more aware of the kinds of things I would need uh, for the next one. So you know, things like uh, I, I don't even think I used maybe like two different fonts on Golem Hearts. I wasn't really thinking about that sort of stuff at all. 
Um, and, and thankfully so, because, you know, the jump starts were only three chapters long. So those decisions that I was making, or the decisions I weren't making, rather, weren't coming back to bite me in the butt because they were only three chapters long. So it was that it was those experiences doing jump starts for about a year, where by the end of that, and by, by the time Neolation came around as my first like full length series, I was pretty much ready to go. Like, you know, I need this, 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 and this. Normally, I'll look through the, the the lettering of the Japanese version, and I'll see what sort of font changes are happening there. And maybe, um, I feel I feel like every letterer has a different approach to this on how much of the the Japanese lettering when it comes to when it comes to dialogue font changes, like you know, how how much or how little are you are are you uh, translating for lack of a better word like what what fonts are you bringing over or trying to replicate from the japanese lettering and which ones are you like this is kind of redundant and we don't need this so what i do generally is like i pick out i want to say like the strongest emotions if that makes any sense so you know i have a specific font for you know like when something's kind of scary or you know somebody's sort of like out of breath um and if those crop up in the Japanese lettering, then I'll go like, oh, yeah, okay, you know, I'll do that in the English. But, you know, there's some manga where they have, like, three different kinds of bold, and I'm like, we, do, we, we don't, <laughs> you know. That, there's a, there's, it becomes a point where those font changes become more distracting in English. So um, it, it depends on the project, how much I match and how much I sort of leave out. But that is another consideration I make when I'm, when I'm picking fonts on simulpubs and stuff. So it is... Generally speaking, based on the first chapter, which I only have access to, um, thankfully for um, for Kaiju Number Eight, you know, we got the first five all at the same time. So I was looking through all of them and could figure out somewhat ahead of time what I would need. Yeah, that was actually a very uh, a very good thing in this case because it's like we had like five chapters of like run ahead to like go off of, so it uh, helped with the planning stages of it a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, from a translation standpoint, it must have been, like, doubly as helpful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I wasn't going by the seat of my pants, Toriyama style, so. Was, uh, <laughs> you know. uh, yeah, I was going to ask about the timeline of the localization, like, from when you guys got assigned the project to when those first five chapters were published. Like, how much time did you have to do uh, translation, David, uh, revisions on the translation, Carla, and then, you know, lettering, Brandon? Um, so I think that it was about a week. I think Carla had this, like, timeline that I just said yes to because I looked at it and I was like, okay, I can do that by that time. But then I like realized how much was actually in those five chapters. Because when I think five chapters, I'm thinking like five undead unluck chapters. Like I can like do those while I'm on the toilet or something, right? But uh, she was like, yeah, it's like 56 pages. I'm like, oh, all right. What's chapter two looking like? 46. Oh. What about chapter three? Twenty-four. Like what the? <laughs> so, so I like I like signed a, a deal with the devil at the cross, and I was like, "All right, well, we can do this. I just don't have to sleep." So, um, I think I banged out the first chapter in like a night, the fifty-six pages, and then after that, uh, I just like steadily just kept doing it and doing it. Uh, I just kept like me and Carla were like in constant. We have like a seventy-three like email chain of like just back and forth <laughs> yeah. of just me and her. Oh. Yeah. It was like 
really intense. It was like the most intense like couple of days that I've ever had to like work with uh, a project. Really, I mean, cor- I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that sounds like almost it was almost like a like at least a volumes worth of work there you were working with. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. basically a volumes worth of work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in a week. <laughs> Dang. Around the clock, almost. Maybe because me and David obviously don't know when to stop answering emails. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, calling me out, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. He would email me at like 3 in the morning and he's like, here's the thing. And I'm like, thank you so much for this email. And I wanted to be like, go to sleep. And I'm like, but who am I? Go to bed. Now I'm going to be up. Daddy's going to do stuff. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess the one saving grace is that, you know, usually with this being a, uh, like, you know, obviously with this being a simul pub, you know, you guys didn't have to, like, redraw sound effects, which I'm sure probably saved at least a little time, possibly. Oh, I, cu- I could have. <laughs> I'm going to say that Brandon actually could have done it. I realized that while we were working on the series. Wow. Oh my gosh. I was like, if I want it, if I asked Brandon to retouch every single sound effect, he could do it and get it done on time. And like my brain there... was like, I mean, we yeah. don't do that for Shadow Jump, but I was like, he could. Yeah. He could. <laughs> it was funny too because there was like, um, so like, I think there were like these like little tiny things like, I remember, like, Carla gave me an email, and I was just like, hey, could you do this sign that's, like, in this, what was it? I, th- I think I, I can remember the panel. It's, like, page five, first panel, up in the corner of the right-hand side, there's a sign. I'm like, where? It's so microscopic. <laughs> it's literally, I don't think anyone even noticed it was there. But Can, can, can I take a guess? Is it is it the one that says Mina? Yes, that yes, one. Yes, thank you for okay. noticing the right. sign. <laughs> it's all the way up there no no one in their right mind probably was even like looking up in that corner but that is something that brandon did in like you know two seconds it was just like fuck wow yeah, basically wow yeah yeah i was like i want to translate this sign it adds to the feel <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I'm glad that you pointed it out because I would have never even like looked at it. Like I wouldn't have even given it a second glance. So I'm glad people are looking at it because I. That's a great it. detail. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I'm I'm kind of surprised I guessed it on the on the first try. I didn't think I was going to be right. <laughs> well, I think it's because my my page numbers were actually not that far off. It was like page five or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Exact. Yeah. I'm uh I'm pretty uh like when I work on something I kind of like remember stuff like oh okay this is the panel where this happens I'm an uber nerd by the way this, this, is, why, <laughs> I, this is what happens to me when you're an uber nerd you just remember stuff like that um I, I was gonna say I, I think I think you and I David are on the same wavelength there as far as that that's concerned because I I, <laughs> I, I I can't I can't help but notice details like that personally so yeah. <laughs> that's true that's true i mean you know it's it's the little things that matter right and you know exactly that kind of stuff, thank you that kind of stuff uh actually does you know it, it matters like it's the little tiny flourishes that you never really think of you know that uh really add to the the work as a whole you know mm-hmm. and as someone who's like uh, i'm an artist too so like i and i had actually like dreams of being a mangaka myself and mm. uh like those are the kind of things that i would always consider like when i was like making like drafts for myself or something like that you know it was 
the little tiny things that people don't notice. Like if if you know what is it like? Sometimes you do a good job, but people don't notice. But that's the bit, the time you know that you're doing a good job when no one notices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. No, nobody. I've never seen somebody be like, "Man, the lettering in Kaiju number eight sucks." You know, I mean, it's okay. <laughs> Nobody's talking about it. That means I did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. This this is this is not me like diminishing you know that that aspect obviously because lettering is obviously very important but it's also one of those things that like you know if, if you do do a good job at it you know not no one's no one's really gonna notice like it, yeah it, exactly i understand uh but i mean even when i was reading through kaiju number eight like you usually like i i i think it you know uh when, when we started up this podcast uh you know i i think it's because of all the uh letters we've talked to on the show that I've started to kind of like, I, I kind of pay attention to that kind of thing a little bit more, try to be a little bit more aware of it. And I think, I, I really think the lettering in Kaiju number eight in particular is, is done really well. Like, I could tell that Brandon, our, you know, our industry legend here, you know, is putting a lot of really good work into this Simul Pub in particular. And of course, you know, all the stuff he does. So, yeah. On the topic of the, the timeline um, that this had to get, uh, you know, localized on. I I want to I guess from my perspective I want to bring attention to the fact that like I wasn't always this fast right just like with everything else it's just like this build up that you know going back to Golem Hearts you know that first fifty like fifty five page chapter took me an entire weekend to do and you know just because like that was one of my that was like one of my first times using InDesign you know I just I had no idea what I was doing for the most part and just as as I did more jump starts and, you know, as we went to the, like, the uh, simulpub format when I started Neolation, you know, that that was sort of the moment where I, I started, I'm, I'm, like, addicted to time-saving tricks. If I can, if I can do something in, like, twice as fast without losing quality, like, I will, I, I will change my process to adapt to do something, like, faster. I, I, there are countless little things that I've picked up and I've learned from other letterers that have just like you know, I I want to say like I almost feel like everything was building up to Kaiju number eight. Mm-hmm. No, I, I get you, Larry. Life hacks. Yeah, <laughs> the, the speed that I built up over the past um, like three years or so has just like it. It is for times like this where we need to do something fast, and I need to maintain quality. And so, in reference, uh, gosh, I think that that first chapter of Kaiju number eight took me like five hours. I think. Five, five or six, yeah. So coming, something coming from that, uh, you know, from an entire weekend to five or six hours, I think is pretty good. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. I mean, your skills only improve over time. Yeah. I mean, you're a legend now, but your legend's <laughs> only going to grow grander. Oh, <laughs> uh, the speed of the localization is really interesting. So basically, you guys had like a week to do five chapters. And I'm curious about like that decision to drop all five chapters at once. Like, did you guys really just want to hit the ground running with Kaiju number eight? Uh, I think Carla can explain that one. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> we did. We just... <laughs> <laughs> the trauma. Um, no, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we did. We did. We hit the ground running. Um, we were able, thankfully, to get um, five chapters from Japan um, ahead of time. And just to really sort of nail like that date <laughs> was really important to me. So I, I created 
possibly an, an overly aggressive schedule for us that we then proceeded to be even more aggressive about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. I was like, oh, here are, here are like, I don't even remember what I originally planned, you guys, like two weeks, three weeks. I don't know. Mm, I think it was like a week. It was a week and then like a few days, like if there was nothing like, oh, if, you know, if it takes a little too long, like you can probably push it back a few more days or something like that. Yeah, I wrote like a really aggressive schedule and then we beat the schedule. And then I was yeah. like, <laughs> I was about to say, like, I think um, you the last chapter I sent to you, like chapter five was like, like not even like a week after you had set the schedule. It wasn't, yeah. Wow. So we were able to get everything. <laughs> it was really great for quality control because we were able to like really go through and check everything. Yeah, because I I fucked up a lot, by the way. <laughs> I was like, I was really rushing. Like I was like, Ugh. like I was like brain dead. Like at a certain point, and I just like I was like pro. What the hell am I even doing in pros? I don't know. Uh, whatever. <laughs> and then I. Uh, but afterwards, we uh, we actually had some, like, very aggressive, like Carla said, uh, editing of, like, just everything, basically. Like, every chapter that had come out, like, we had, like, one through five. We just went through it with a fine-tooth comb. And, yeah. Uh, it was nice, like, I have to say, after doing Shonen Jump, <laughs> for uh, the handful that I've done where you're kind of like, I don't know, you're like, is this decision going to be bad later? <laughs> like next right, chapter yeah. <laughs> like, or like the the you know rare instances where you get a typo in the in the actual jump manga yeah that you translate and ends up being a typo forever <laughs> until the oh, no. comes out <laughs> like with me <laughs> so it was nice because you kind of had some we had i don't know it was nice to be able to work with so many chapters because you kind of see like you get the direction of where it's going I think it gives you an opportunity to fine-tune, like, the voice, too, and stuff. Like, how do these people yeah. sound and exist in the world? And normally, you're doing that chapter by chapter, which actually is a little difficult um, sometimes <laughs> to, like, maintain voice over chapters. But um, to get it all at once, like, I really felt like I understood Kaiju number 8 in a way that I didn't understand maybe some other series that I had started. Although, jump series tend to start with, like, really lengthy chapters to really kind of get you into the world, but... It was nice to work on basically when they both reminded me how many pages we had done. I was like, holy cow. Yeah, was, I was know, like, what are yeah. we? <laughs> <laughs> it was about 156 pages, I think. Altogether. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is almost volume length. Yeah. yeah, it's a volume. Just put some like extras in there and you got a whole volume yeah. basically. Yeah, so it was really wow. nice. It was nice to get to like work on like so much all at once and really feel like yep. I understood what was going on and where the story was heading and yeah. stuff like that. So that really helps, at least for me yeah. as an editor. <laughs> no, it helped. It helped for me as a translator too because you know I don't I don't like you know guesstimating stuff like that. Like I'm very like okay, I don't want to translate something where you know uh oh. Later on, <laughs> now I've got a problem on my hands, you know, so and uh, for editors, it has to be even worse because then they have to like proofread all that. It's like, oh, no, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm just like three monkeys on top of each other's shoulders using deep L at this point. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> you know, David is discouraging himself, but actually he's an amazing translator. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's really good at picking up different types of voices, which I really appreciate as an editor because I heavily rely on my translators to pick up like the different voices and intonations of characters. So if I make an editorial change, I can keep in the same style. And so like I really appreciate it. And I think I saw that really shine on like Undead Unluck because there's so many different types of characters and Andy is such yeah. a unique character. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I always say this because uh, people ask me like, oh, which one of the series do you like the best? And I'm like, well, you have Undead Unluck and the main character is like a smarmy, smart ass who basically like berates everybody. Uh, and then you have Kaiju number eight, where it's like he's just a schlubby thirty-year-old, and you kind of meld those two together, and you get me. If you patara earring them together, you get me. Oh my gosh! So it's like you just hear different p- parts of my voice in every little thing I'm in, you know, little little glimpse of me. But yeah, I really like writing Andy. Like Andy's really fun to work, uh, write with, like because it's just. He's such a smart ass. Like it's, so, it's, it's, I love writing it. It's like you know, just write Deadpool, basically. <laughs> I'm, yeah, that's a great comparison. Yeah, you just you just kind of write like a you know Deadpool, and then for Kafka, he's just like you know just like white a uh, blue collar everyman. So uh, you know he uh, you know it's very easy to write for for these characters. Um, Considering that the source material is pretty tight on like characterizations at this point, um, the one thing I always like kind of struggle with—not struggle, but like I when whenever anyone has an accent, I try not to go full yeehaw. Like you know how like some people go like Kansai Ben, and then they just like just make them like you know full like you know down down south. Hey y'all, you know because uh, <laughs> yeah. Hoshina actually has like a like a Kansai Ben in the original. Um, yeah, he he's like it's Kansai Ben, like kind of subdued Kansai Ben. Um, you can you can tell because of his like you know his endings of his sentences and stuff like that. But uh, I didn't want to make it like it. It felt like it would be too distracting to just have him like do it. I try to do it in like some panels, but I don't want to do it in like all of them. You know what I mean? And just make it. Because it gets a little distracting when it's just like, yeehaw, like everybody, what's going on, y'all? <laughs> yeah. Howdy, Howdy recruits. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> or, you know, the tinkling. Yeah, yeah um. the <laughs> Like, I don't... <laughs> Let's round up them kaiju. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that would be a totally different manga, and I, I'd read that too. Um, no, I, I, I get what you mean because, like, I'm, I'm sure because I've, I've seen like you know both official and unofficial translations that like you know they, they try to, they, they try to stick to the spirit of like you know whatever like dialect they're going for, and sometimes some, some translators I notice tend to go, I guess, depending on the character. Or the product, they they get to the point where it's like, yeah, they're they're tr- they're trying to translate the accent, and it comes through the translation. But like, uh, I've I've seen some characters where it's like I could barely read what they're saying, and I can't understand them, and I'm not sure if that's oh, the gosh. point or not. Right? <laughs> yeah, I feel like you have to strike a middle ground between readability and accuracy, or like readability and like faithfulness to uh, the voice, because. I don't know, like, I try to take everything into consideration. Yeah, he's, you know, okay, he has a Kansai accent, but he's also in the military. So, like, I'm trying to think of it like like a double perspective, kind of like, okay, this is a Japanese perspective of it. Here's, an, like, an American perspective of it. Let me try to find, like, a middle ground between the two. 
You know, let me try and like make this character not one sound like an idiot and two be readable enough for American audiences to actually digest, you know? So, yeah, yeah. And that, I feel like that's the most important thing. I mean, there are some characters that do need that kind of thing cuz they they, you know, the setting deserves of it. Like the setting is like, you know, okay, let's make this character like, you know, have like a twang to his accent a little bit more. But like in some in some cases, I don't think it needs to be that up to 11, you know? So, I I try to that happy little middle ground in everything I do. And you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but you know, I I do try to keep character voice in mind most of the time. Mhm. That's good to hear. Yeah. And that's absolutely important because like you want every character to feel like their own distinct thing. And it just makes things more interesting when characters have like very distinct personalities and dynamics that you can so clearly identify just from the way they speak. Mm, yeah, definitely. That's a very important thing in Japanese too. Because uh I think this was like something that Sarah brought up. But it's like, oh, why are the uh the arrows and, and bubbles always so short in Japanese? And it's mostly because you can kind of tell who's talking just based on, like, what they're going on in dialogue. Like, if they have, like, an accent or they have, like, a specific way of talking. Like, if they're an old man, they have ja going on all over the place. You know, the these yakuarigo that uh, – it's called yakuarigo. And it's, like, um, like your uh, role language. Like, your assigned role language, basically. And it's basically, like, a bunch of, like – it's, like – if I looked at a panel, I could tell, oh, this is the old man talking. Oh, this is like the young kid talking because it, it's so distinct, right? These these voices, all these voices are very distinct. So they don't really need like the, the arrow to point to them most of the time because you can kind of tell from a glance that someone different speaking. Mm, today I learned. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes I get confused and I'm like, ah, I need an arrow or something, dude. I don't know who's talking. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Yeah, so... It does. It doesn't always work, but you know, this this artist in, in particular doesn't uh, is very loose with his uh, his arrows and bubbles. I never thought I'd be talking about this out, like out loud, but uh, <laughs> his arrow. I've noticed that uh, even in his uh, previous work, because uh, I've read uh, Pochikuro, and uh, he actually is very liberal with like his his uh, bubbles and like the amount of arrows he uses to denote who's talking. So he like very strongly uh, depends on uh, his use of language, like the character's voice. Interesting. Actually, that is something that I was curious about, is if you guys were familiar with the author's previous words, because they have not been ever localized over here. So this was my first experience reading one of their works. From what I understood from like researching them, they were previously an assistant to uh, Toshiaki Yoshiro of Siren. Siren, and, yep. Oh, and I definitely can see that influence in their work. And apparently, uh, they are also married to Yoshio Saiwai, a Bobobo fans, which is another interesting detail. Yeah, huh. you can kind of tell with the uh, the way he draws faces when like reaction faces. It's very in that the same ilk. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I I I had heard that around that. They were married to Yoshio Sawai, and like I, I kept that in mind while reading. And while I was reading, I was like, "Yeah, I could, I could see some of these designs being very Bobobo esque. I, I can kind of see it in there, you know." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could kind of fit like a Don Patch somewhere in there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Honest, honestly, you could just put Don Patch in there somewhere, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't really feel out of place. 
if you uh, if you read Pochikuro, like a lot of those designs are very like Bobobo esque, like the demon designs and whatnot. So they're very um, it's very gag manga esque too. So he's like very good with uh, hitting the right strides for humor as well, which is a very good quality in a mon- in a jump artist at least. Yeah, this 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 manga was a lot funnier than I expected it to be. Honestly, <laughs> oh yeah, I was not expecting it to be as funny as it is. <laughs> That's one of its strengths, I think, is that it doesn't take itself too seriously. I think that just the sense of humor it has, like when he transforms into the kaiju form, it's just like the most of the second chapter is just joke after joke gag of him being in this kaiju body not knowing his own strength his body transforming into weird ways like with the like worm tongue thing like kind of like an <laughs> alien tongue that like eats the bird alive yeah, yeah. Bird alive. <laughs> yeah i like honestly from the from the key art i had seen from the series like i instantly just kind of assumed like this is going to be a very like death note esque kind of thing where it's like oh, our main character got this power for evil or whatever are, are they going to use it for good or evil and it's nothing like that which you know it's totally fine yeah no there's <laughs> no sort of moral dilemma i heard a lot of people comparing this series to uh shingeki no kyojin like for attack on titan and i i'm like i don't really see it <laughs> i don't know if it's just me just in the sense that they're fighting giant it's monsters. just the giant yeah. monsters thing yeah that's all it is <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he can transform to a giant monster, and there's like a military, but like it, that's a very surface level that's comparison. Like, yeah. Surface levels is let's like really surface level. <laughs> yeah, I mean you gotta co- compare the flashback in the series, like that reveals like their conviction for fighting the monsters. Like in Attack on Titan, this very serious thing that oh they saw their mother get eaten, and then their entire city was destroyed, and then yeah, and it's like I lost my cat. <laughs> yeah, I lost her cat. I couldn't. Finish playing this game. I want to play Guramon. <laughs> <laughs> so dark. It's like deep dark. It's like emo dark. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I could I could see this somehow tying into something like Pacific Rim, where it's like I could I could see this being a part of that universe almost. Yeah. The, the I mean the the whole kaiju cleanup scene, uh, the, like that whole aspect of the story. I was like, oh, this is like straight up, you know, Pacific Rim. Uh, it's just like I, I don't know. I, I love these sort of these sorts of things where you have an established concept, you know, like fighting kaiju. Um, you know, you know, it's very like like tokusatsu esque. But like you f- with kaiju number eight, you get like this very sort of ground level. Like you get this ground level peak. At, you know, like the guys who are on the front lines. You know, cleaning up the bodies and all that sort of thing. That you know, I I I love those sorts of twists on the formula. Mm, oh definitely. yeah. Mm-hmm. The the premise of this was very, like, um, it didn't really feel like anything I've ever really read before, but it felt like a lot of things that I have read before, if that makes any sense. Like, mm-hmm, it felt mm-hmm. familiar, but different, you know? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, for sure. I think that's the perfect balance to strike. Yeah. I mean, there have been other, like, kaiju monster fighting series, but, like, this has just enough of a unique twist in terms of the humor it is employing and then kind of where it starts out and the protagonist that makes it like something you know you don't usually see you know your protagonist being in his 30s being kind of like a goofy dude you don't really have like this premise of oh i'm transforming to the monster but oh it's it's kind of just funny shenanigans that oh yeah, that i can't yeah. control this thing i don't know what's going on it's like, oh, pissing than... out of my nipples it's like all right <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
like compared to other like series where you have the characters transform into like a monstrous form uh, because of something like inside of them, it's like, oh, it's like this very like dangerous, like dark thing they can control. But in this case, like Kafka can't control it. But uh, he is it, not like this like super serious, like angsty thing that he has to like fight against internally. It's more like an inconvenience. Yeah. <laughs> it's an inconvenience, but it also, you know, it, it gives him a leg up on the competition despite his age. It also, uh, it, it, it kind of reminded me of, um, uh, do you know Bao? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Araki's mm, first manga. Yeah. Like, well, it was one of his first mangas. It was sort of like that because in that, Bao is a parasite that burrows into its host and gives them superpowers. Uh, so like I said, it was like a lot of things that I've never, like, I've read before, just kind of like, it was like pfft, like into one manga, and it's just like in a like a different spin on things, and I I I really like that part. Yeah, and it all feels fresh. Yeah, mm-hmm. feels fresh but familiar, which which is a good balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also on the subject of the localization timeline and stuff, I mean, just to go back to that, like it was very interesting to hear you guys talk about you know the fact that you had like this big volume of work actually made things easier uh to for the work on the series because that was that was the question i was wondering because like you had like kind of a short time frame to do like so much but actually that was a benefit in terms of making translation decisions and lettering decisions and stuff so i thought that was really cool to hear about i mean that also does bring me to a question we got from twitter by uh Kay Scheitz, who asked that, like, what are the biggest differences between working on a simulpub, working on regular projects? And I guess in general, like, what other, like, differences have you found working on this series compared to your, like, other simulpubs that are projects? Um, well, I can tell you because I, I only, for manga at least, uh, well, I guess, well, because I've worked on other stuff for Viz, I, like the art books and some other stuff that I can't really talk about right now. But um, it's a lot more frenetic when you have to work on things week by week um, because you're kind of like you you just kind of make decisions that you have to stick with and then you have to hope to God that those are the right decisions. Even if you like because there's a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of like uh, checking and like, you know, third checks, fourth checks, like, you know, of stuff that goes through Shonen Jump. Um, for other stuff that I work on, it's just sort of like, we have to kind of like nail it, like within a, a longer time frame, which it's, it's good in some respects, but it's also kind of stressful because you're always like thinking about a deadline that's, that's going to be coming up like, I don't know, at the end of the month or end of two months or something like that. But week by week, it's sort of like, you just do it. And then if it, you, if you do it, you just send it off <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's, that's it. No more changes. Like, that's it. This is what I'm turning in. Um, for Kaiju number eight, it was a little different. It's been kind of different ever since because it doesn't really follow the same kind of Shonen Jump. Here are your, here are your chapters. It's sort of like the manga artist is like, all right, I'm going to do two two chapters now. It's like, what? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I'm going to do five chapters. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then he just kind of gives them in and it's just like, oh, okay. Well, now I have these to do. So... It's great. <laughs> but it actually is it's it's I say that but like it actually is pretty great because uh this manga artist is actually I don't know he's like I, don't, I guess he doesn't sleep either. He, uh, <laughs> like it's so great getting like this much like time like run ahead on a on a weekly series. So I actually can go back and like fix stuff for like 
oh, this is a callback to the last chapter. I can, like, point that out in, you know, my script so that everyone knows, like, to be on the same page for this, like, one line or whatever, right? Like, for uh, chapter six and seven, I did those at the same time. So, um, like, there was, uh, I think there was one line, it's it's the line Chikoru does uh, when uh, Kafka's on the ground. And it's just like, uh, no casualties allowed on uh, on any battlefield I step on. And she actually references that line later in, I think, Chapter 7 as well. So I was able to, like, see that that's a, a line that's a callback and, you know, note it as such. I wouldn't be able to do that on, like, a like if it was just a weekly format. Like, I would be able to do it, but I wouldn't be able to do it with confidence, you know? I would have to, like, really think of, like, the wording I really want to use and then... That's the wording I have to use. So when the next week comes around, I have to like use that same wording no matter what. Or like I have to like use it. I'm, I don't have as much free form when it comes to uh, word choice. So I actually do like the fact that uh, <laughs> they're just bombarding us with stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually not that bad. Well, that's fascinating. I mean, that, again, goes to show that having, like, a bulk of work to be able to read ahead and identify, hey, here are recurring themes, motifs, lines that need to be employed is helpful. And, yeah, like, being able to have those two chapters at once rather than staggered seems like it was a helpful thing in this case in particular with that line of Kikaru's. I can add to this with a really interesting anecdote, actually. Oh, Okay. (laughs) Um, so for a, a book that, uh, unfortunately, I, I can't say what it is, but there is a book that I lettered recently. And um, uh, how do I explain this? So like, in Western comics, usually, if you have a character who is like cut off, or is like jumping between, you know, like, different kinds of thoughts, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll end that with like a double dash. But in manga, for many manga publishers, including Viz, um, we use M-dashes instead. M-dashes, yeah. Yeah. But because um, most of the fonts we use are designed for Western comics, they're not designed for manga, (laughs) there was, uh, on one of the books I did recently, the, um, like, the the specific character glyph for the M-dash is just a double dash. (laughs) And I was just like... Like oh. I, I, I wasn't paying attention to the script and the lettering at the same time. So I was like, oh, that's weird that the editor used double dashes, but like, okay, cool. Um, and then I got corrections back and it was just like, uh, I, I, hey, what happened here? So I had to, it was, just, it was just because of the font that I had picked for that particular project. So uh, what I ended up doing was like picking out, I, I replaced all of the, the M dash glyphs with N dashes and then stretched them out. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, it, it was a very quick change, but it was one of those, that's a consideration that if I had picked that font on a simulpub, I would have been screwed. <laughs> uh, or like, I, I would have been like, oh God, I, you know, I would not have thought that this would be a problem. Right. So, um, but while that was a, you know, that was a whole volume I was working on at once. So we were able to detect that and just like fix it. But, you know, if, if it had not gotten caught on a Simba pub, it was like, well, I guess this series is using double dashes now. It's just like, <laughs> so, forever. Yeah, it's like, oh, darn it. So uh, th- those sorts of considerations with, with lettering for Simba pubs, as opposed to working on like graphic novel volumes are, are important, you know, um, you know, you have to think about like, 
is a character with like like with an accented e or like a macron is like a character whose name is spelled like that going to come up at some point in the series so i need to pick a font that supports those otherwise like what are you gonna do um right and so not every font like especially that the further you get away from dialogue fonts and you get into specialized fonts for like particular emotions yeah it's sort of a crapshoot on what kinds of special characters that um those fonts support so you might have like oh yeah like the dialogue font i'm using has accents but like this font i'm using that looks kind of scary looking or kind of like exasperated looking doesn't have those so what do you do those are uh those are some of the considerations i make um but but also just a lot of crossing fingers and hoping it doesn't come up (laughs) (laughs) have you run into problems like that where you made a choice and then later something came up and you're like oh no uh what am i gonna do here because this font isn't doesn't support this choice. Um, gosh, I'm trying to th- actually the the M dash one comes up a lot, or not not that not the specific double dash, but some fonts only they don't they just don't have M dashes. So if the script you know has a, has an M dash and like it'll it'll just show up as like red in InDesign, like hey this font that you're using doesn't support this, so it's just like eh, what do you do? Um, so those are, that's another situation where I just like, I pick like the normal dash character, stretch it out a little bit to make it look like an M dash. So, you know, it's kind of, kind of cheating. <laughs> well, it's either that or use a different font entirely. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> one of the fonts that I use is, so it's all caps, but all of the capital, like, all, like it's, an, it's an all caps font, you know, for comics, but they're all assigned to the lowercase glyphs. So it's a weird, janky old font. And so, but you know, I like sounds like that sounds like some whiz bang shit. Yeah. (laughs) So it's just, you know, but it's like, I like the look of it. So I'm going to keep using it. So, um, is it, is it whiz bang? It's not whiz bang. Uh, that that has its own problems because it's, you know, old and crusty, but, uh, yeah, there's just, there are considerations with fonts like that, that I have to make more, you know, it's just like. Yeah, on on the lowercase one, I just like there's um uh Sarah Lindsley actually she made a script to force lowercase for like an entire text box, so I just use that script Whoa. for oh. that font and it works great. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that's she, awesome. Yeah, she's she's magic. I don't I don't know how she does that, but <laughs> I, when, when I when I say I use a lot of tools to help myself get like faster lettering, like sixty percent of those are Sarah's. I feel like Sarah's. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very grateful. Thank you. Hey, man. Whatever works. Oh, yeah. I guess I can answer. <laughs> um, okay, wait. Oh, the difference is between working on Simulpub and working on regular right. projects. Regular. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's an interesting question. Um, geez, what are the differences? I guess, you know, obviously you're doing things faster. So Simulpub is kind of like interesting like if you're a perfectionist because it forces you to not be (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. it's like pulling teeth (laughs) so you know if you like torturing yourself like that then yeah go do simulpub i guess so i'm like i do have like a perfectionist type personality and i do try to put like every ounce of me into everything that i do but it's also not feasible a lot of times for simulpub or sometimes i have to like be like you know what this is good enough because i can't think anymore my brain has stopped thinking um <laughs> so <laughs> and as long as it makes sense people will be fine um i get really hung up on the arrangements of words um 
So for Simulpub, like I often have, I don't know, it's weird because I have more and less control at the same time. Like I have less control over time, but I don't know. It's also really satisfying to get things out from week to week. And I actually work, I won't say I work harder, but I work differently on Simulpubs because we have to go so fast. Like for instance, if there are corrections that need to be made in the lettering, like I typically will do them because it's faster. Um, and I think that's true for most people who work on Shonen Jump. And that was also a learning curve for me because what even is InDesign? But I do know now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think all three of us can agree InDesign is like no bueno. That is <laughs> such no, a no, bueno. No, no bueno. Oh, it is so no bueno. Like I go in oh and I'm gosh. like, I know what I'm doing now. And I know how to do some things. And then I feel like, ha look at me, master letterer. But really, no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, look at me changing this word. Uh, <laughs> I have retouched some things before in very critical situations where I was like, there is no one else to do it. And at the very last moment, somebody was like, did you notice this line running down the middle of the page? And I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, the 11th hour. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, I guess I got to do this myself. And then it's like, that was takes un- like unbearably long because I'm not a letter and I have to like learn <laughs> how to like do stuff like that. Whereas I probably should have just been like praying for the letter to respond at the 11th hour to, <laughs> <laughs> to fix the thing. <laughs> so I've learned a lot about InDesign and I'm sure I have so much more to learn about InDesign. Oh, yeah. Although with Kaiju 8, there were some things where I actually literally couldn't do it because Brandon is such a legend. I didn't know what the hell he did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right. Like I opened InDesign, I opened Photoshop. I said, what the hell did he do? And then I like emailed him. (laughs) Everything's upside down. It's like, what the hell? I, gosh, I, for the longest time um, in, in my career... Uh, I didn't actually know that my editors would look through, like, my my Photoshop layers and stuff like that. So, um, early on, like, my Photoshop layers are a mess. Mess. Like, (laughs) I've since tried to become more organized. I try to make sure everything's named and organized and it looks, like, in case anybody is going to go back to it or if I want to go back to it. Um, But, yeah, I I definitely, I had feedback from some editors early on that's just like, can you, like, name your layers, please? I'm just like, oh, oops. (laughs) Ooh, I didn't know that you were doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it, it makes no difference to me because that's how much of a noob I am. But <laughs> for the other editors, <laughs> it works for them. Oh man, I that reminds me. That reminds me of uh, what happened. Like uh, it was like the first chapter of Kaiju Number Eight, and like I was looking through the file. I think like it was already finalized. Like okay, we got the final chapter ready to go, amigos. And then I was just looking through it. And I'm just like. Oh no, Mina's name is spelled wrong. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> how did this happen? <laughs> like, it was like we went through so many checks, and it was just like the main panel where it shows her, like it says Japan Defense Force, Third Division, Mina Asahiro. I'm like, what the? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so we were, I was like, I was emailing up a storm. I was like, you know, sending Carla, you know, like, oh my God, look at this. And I'm like, oh, please fix it. <laughs> please. Yeah, I, I fixed it. 
at the again at the eleventh hour. Um, the 11th hour. <laughs> I looked God. and I was like, surely one of us caught this, and it was like, no, no, nope, no, no, no one, no one in this process caught this because everyone is brain dead from doing five chapters. <laughs> under a week. I try to read every chapter I submit twice before I send it off again. I, I just. I, Stuff stuff slips through. Like it just I'm so glad it got caught, but yeah, stuff like that yeah. just slips yeah. through. Sometimes things happen and it just yeah, it, yeah, it just it, happens. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just glad that every chapter goes out and there's no typos. Like zero typos that to be found. <laughs> like, oh man. It just warms the cockles of my heart. Like because I can't live with that on my conscience. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, I was going to say, can I talk about, uh, I, I just remembered something else about like working on simulpubs versus working on uh, graphic novels. So th- that's actually one, th- one thing I keep into consideration now is when I do sort of like specialized retouch on simulpubs, um, I-, I make sure that I keep my layers. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah. on, on Neolation in particular, um, when I submitted, like if I had like, like if I was like retouching you know, like some like somebody's phone or like a like a phone screen or you know like sound effects and stuff like that. Um, I would submit all of that stuff flattened. Um, so it was all it was all flattened into the art. Oh my god, what are you doing? Yeah, it was. Just, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I did not have the foresight. To, I was like, oh, I I didn't think at the time. Like, you know, if this ever if this ever gets like a volume release. Uh, maybe, no, it's perfect. Yeah, it's like maybe maybe <laughs> I should leave myself the wiggle room to come back to it. So there was a lot of that stuff. I mean, it, it helped in the end because redoing a lot of that stuff on Neolation and I think early Tokyo Shinobi Squad as well. I was still doing it, so there was a lot of like specialized retouch for the sound effects and stuff where I just I just redid it and it, it helped because it was better because I, I got better at that stuff. So you know that helps the end product, which is good. But also you know I need to like. I was like, I should probably save myself a lot of time by just keeping all that stuff. Like, um, on the, the signpost, like the, the board in like for like the flashback in chapter seven of Kaiju number eight, you, you know, where it's just like all of the names on the board and stuff. I was like, I'm going to keep like a vector version of this so that <laughs> if volumes ever come out, I can just drag and drop. <laughs> that, yeah. that sign yeah. was so. I have I had nightmares about that because <laughs> it was literally like when I got to the page it was like the final boss I was like oh <laughs> god damn it because I had to like I had to go in because there's only like half a radical for each thing on the bottom so I basically had to go through process of elimination of what kanji this could have been and then just kind of like guesstimate like to a ninety five degree like ninety five percent you know rate of accuracy like what this name could have been and i also did last name first first name last so i could uh have the the wiggle room and i assumed that would be like the best decision <laughs> because there was a shit ton of names yeah um yeah. so and i i sent that image the, the japanese version of the thing to brandon he's like oh god and i was like yeah because he knew i was gonna ask him to retouch it <laughs> yeah oh yeah well, I, I looked at it, and it was one of those things where it got worse the more I looked at it. <laughs> or it's just like, oh, okay, you know, it's text. I can, I can mask this out. I can replicate that. Oh wait, it's it's screen tone. Oh my god. Oh wait, like the screen tone is going through the speed lines. Oh my god. <laughs> so, um, 
that that sign only took um it was about 35 minutes in total wow so it wasn't that bad uh, you know it was all stuff that i'd done before so I, I knew what i was doing it was just like it was all in the execution so but it was just like oh no um yeah it's uh, there's, it came out there's, so nice though ah thank you oh, yeah. <laughs> Really added to the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where, like, there are some things where um, there's just no room to subtitle it. Like, a huge board like that, you know, um, like, there's no room to subtitle it for one. And for some of that stuff, like, yeah, it, it just, like, it, I think it, it takes the reader out if it's just, like, in Japanese with a subtitle. You know, some, like, there are considerations we make when we, like, do those sorts of things. But I think... For the stuff that is like really key to the story, like you need the reader needs to see that Kikoru's name is at the top. Right. They also need to see that there are other people in this world that are around her as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is why I even took the consideration to even like go through the process of going through each and every name and translating them. There's you know, there's there's a non-zero chance that one of the names on that board might be a character who shows up later. <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking the exact same right. thing, yeah. Me too. Like, the the characters' names who are obscured by Kikaru's hair, like, the most hard-to-figure-out ones. Those are going to be the most yeah. important ones to pop up with. <laughs> final yeah. boss, right They're going to be the final boss of Kaiju number eight. <laughs> and they're going to flash back to the board, and then the board's... Yeah, and they're going to have to retouch it again. <laughs> <laughs> the speed lines are going to be, like, right on the name, like, like obscured by your hair. Yep, yep, yep. That's okay. Yeah, so those, I guess those, again, those are the sorts of considerations you gotta make, uh, with working on a single pub, you know, like the, you, we, we can't read the mangaka's mind, so we just have to sort of, well, if this comes up later, we'll deal with it, you know, you have to sort of predict what may or may not come up later. Yeah, that's, that's also, I think, the other difficult part is, like, you're kind of, like, at the mangaka's mercy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> For week sure. to week, um. Yeah. So you never know what's going to happen in the next chapter, and sometimes, um, sometimes you'll get a chapter, and that chapter might expand upon something that happened in a previous chapter, and you'll be like, "Oh, oh no, did I get it wrong in the yeah, <laughs> previous yeah, yeah, yeah. chapter?" <laughs> I cannot imagine what it'd be like if, like, say, Toriyama came back with a new manga, and because obviously, you know, Dragon Ball in particular and some of his other stuff, continuity sometimes isn't an issue. So <laughs> yeah. I can, yeah. I can, I can only, I can only imagine, you know, dealing dealing with uh, dealing with somebody like that for a cyber pub, right? Yeah, oh, it's yeah. like just suddenly a character's name is completely different from the last chapter. Yeah, like yeah. is is the um is the continuity issue? Like, I guess you have to sort of be like, is this what the artist intended, or like right. did they mess up? <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. That um, well, not to uh diverge from Kaiju Number Eight, but for Undead Unluck, that happens a lot because the uh, Arthur author likes to think that he speaks English, um, <laughs> so he like puts in a lot of English, and that's like a theme where like all the you know languages are unified and whatnot. But like he has like some very dubious spellings, like <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like when I first started that series, I'm like, there's no way I'm making this character's name Undy. No way. <laughs> this name is not going to be Undy for no oh, wow. reason whatsoever. What happens in chapter 23? There's He signs a fucking note that says Undy on it. Like, <laughs> Son of a bitch. And then, like, you know, of course, the, the letter for that, uh, Michelle Pang, she uh, she did a, she does a bang up job every uh, every week with that. So that got 
you know, promptly changed to an A. <laughs> we do do a lot of retouch on Undead and Lark. Um, oh, yeah. Because yeah, of the, uh, one of them being because of the names. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. Our names are localized slightly differently. So, yeah, we do have to retouch some things. Like, yeah. Yeah. names, decisions cool. that we made. And then, like, later on, I'm like, oh, he spelled out Foucault's whole name. Yeah. But to be fair, I like the spelling of our names a little bit better because I don't want people calling her fucko. Like, I, oh I really my don't. Because <laughs> that will happen. Oh, God. Um, yeah, someone had to explain that to me. I didn't realize that was a thing. And then they were like, they're going to they're gonna say fucko. And I was just like, what? And I was like, oh, yes. Not everyone understands Japanese pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so putting the extra oo in there. <laughs> yeah i i approved of that <laughs> um and also like gina her name is like uh spelled with an e in japanese like in the japanese version it's like g e n a instead of gina like with an i so which is a legit spelling okay. i I went to school so, with someone named g-e-n-a but yeah and it plays into her you know unchange change like j- like the way that it's spelled is more like to change like how change is spelled but for the sake of readability, Gina's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like those little con- like considerations. Luckily, that hasn't come out in Kaiju number eight yet. But something's going to tell me, like, you know, oh, it's Leno, man. Like, yeah. what do you mean? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kikoral. Like, yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like, got you. Okay. Um, <laughs> can't predict the future. I cannot. So we just do our best. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, if only. But at least there's no typos in this one, where I just have to, like, like consider my entire life. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> but we're uh, we're smooth sailing so far. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess that's simulpubs. I don't know. Regular books yeah, are, a- you know, they're different. They're just... I have more time. Yeah. That's essentially what it is. I have yeah. more time. Sometimes yeah. I have more leeway, because I, I have a lot of series that have... You know, like Snow White is at volume, I don't even know, 23 or something in Japan. And oh, wow, really? Yeah, and so, like, I have a lot of leeway on that series. And Daytime Shooting Star was already complete when we picked it up. And so, like, I'm just now getting into, like, the real-time graphic novels with Asadora and Psalm 100. So, yeah, like, I just get more time. The translators get more time. We all get more time. <laughs> more t- <That's-> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, um, with uh, Snow White in particular, because um, when I'm seeing, like, Caleb's notes on the scripts while I'm lettering it, you know, he'll, like, I can tell that he's he's reading ahead because, you know, he'll he'll note if something comes comes up, you know, like, in the next volume or two volumes or something like that. Um, and then that's sort of... Um, the, the blessing of working on something that's, like, 20 volumes deep... <laughs> Um, you know, so we, we've got like a whole bunch to catch up on, you know, that I guess it's not not so great for the fans who are waiting for it for so long. But, you know, from a, a work standpoint, you know, those are the, the sorts of things that we can do when we have a lot more material that's out in Japan. You know, we can sort of change and adapt on the fly based on what what happens next in the story. That's not really possible on simuls. Yeah, I think that's that's the advantage there. Um Right. Where right. yeah, we just have like you just have more time to think and like to really go ahead and look at stuff and be like, how is this going to impact the story later? Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you know, Shonen Jump is just like strap in, good luck everybody. Hope you got it right. Put <laughs> 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 you on your helmet and then just like bullet train, like you know, and like the Running Man, like send you right into the heart of the battle. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, it. Yeah. 
Richard Dawson just like, like boom, and it's like you're just <laughs> in the middle of chaos. And it's like good luck. I think the another good thing though about Simopub is that you kind of get to look at it twice. Um, you know, in in most cases, our Simopubs become some form of graphic novel. Um, and when and when they do, you get a chance to look at it again, like with a clear mind. Yeah. And you might catch something and be like, "Why did I put that sentence there? Um, <laughs> why is this? Why did they randomly talk like this out of nowhere?" Um, yeah. <laughs> and so it gives you a chance to kind of like smooth things, like not necessarily like to rewrite the entire thing, but you can kind of like buff out like you know awkwardness maybe that you know from chapter to chapter could happen as you're doing it week by week and not as like a chunk. So. There's also like it's kind of nice to get to like be like I remember doing this chapter I remember I now know what the story is you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and how yeah. it's supposed to go yeah, that helps um, and you can kind of like smooth it out. <laughs> I think actually going going from simul to volume might be one of like my favorite parts of the process because if you're um it's not often I feel like in manga you where you you just straight up get a second chance like. <laughs> Yeah, you just straight up get to like, hey, I didn't like this. We can do it again. So when <laughs> I was, I'm very happy with the work that we did on Neolation, you know, especially with some of the, some of the like maybe weirdness um, with my lettering at the time being, being the first one where I was doing it, you know, like for the full run. So it, it allowed me to sort of come back to it with like a refreshed sense of like, with my current sensibilities, you know, what are the things that I liked about my work then and with the things that I didn't like that I can sort of like, I can tweak and go ahead and stuff like like, like that. Yeah. And um, for um, Dragon Ball Super, I'm now I'm now working on the volume where I took over last year. So I can finally look at just like some of the small lettering decisions that I made for um, for like the, the start of my part of Dragon Ball Super and be like, oh, we can I can tweak this here and like little stuff like that so it is it it is immensely satisfying for me to to have that second chance yeah that's always really a fun thing is like to see the changes between the simulpub and the volume release and see like what gets revised i always enjoy looking at that and yeah this was like a really fascinating insight into the challenges of simulpubs and like the advantages disadvantages of simulpubs versus volume releases I thought it was really awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. I feel like I take it for granted. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we take you for granted. Aww. All the time. (laughs) Wait, wait. wait, (laughs) Was that a compliment? Uh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) We want to thank you guys. We want to thank you guys for joining the uh, We Love Brandon cast. Yeah. (laughs) This is, uh, this is like the... We should just call this the manga bully that ass Brandon uh, <laughs> podcast. That's all we've been doing. Feeling so much love. We've just been bullying that ass the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's okay though. It's okay. We love him. Yeah, I love me too. Oh, self confidence is so like great. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It, no, it is. It definitely is. Very shonen. Yeah. yeah. Very shonen. We have the most shonen. Uh, team around composing of a of a 30 year old (laughs) maybe i don't know how look it's a new age 30 year olds are now the new shonen protagonist look if that's true yeah that's very true if kaiju number eight leads like the uh is starting to lead the charge into older like shonen protagonists i think that would be pretty bad 
yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope other manga artists maybe take note into the kinds of things you can do if um, the protagonist of, like, your, you know, your action story is 30. Like, seriously, I, I really can't think of, uh, I mean, may- maybe there's a series out there that I just haven't read or that I don't know anything about. But in terms of, like, Jump, I mean, the, the, the oldest protagonist I could think of from Jump in particular might be, like, Gintoki from Gintama. How old is Gintoki again? Sirachi said specifically that he's anywhere between, like, 20 and 25. How old is Goku? Uh, Goku, yeah. I mean, if we consider Goku at the end of DBZ when he's a grandfather, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's technically... I mean, he acts Dragon like he's Ball 18. Super, yeah, I mean, yeah. If you <laughs> also consider Dragon Ball Super, he's uh, definitely like in his 40s or 50s or whatever. I mean, it's... it's Yeah, I, I guess Goku didn't come to mind because he basically always acts like he's 12 yeah. years old. Yeah, so. of course. Yeah, and I, I guess that's sort <laughs> of the thing. It's not, not necessarily the age, but it's like the the age and it actually has like a, an impact on the story. Because you know. I was about to say, like, technically, Andy is, like, the oldest jump protagonist, because he's, like, hundreds of years old, right? Oh, yeah. yeah I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. See, there we go. Yeah, he's, like, centuries years old, but he, like, acts like a like a shitty eight, 18-year-old, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he definitely has a youth, like, he's gotten so old that he's just become young. <laughs> you just, do you loop around after a certain point? Yeah. Uh, you know, just kind of wrap around yourself. Yeah, okay. Point. I mean, Mitama, he was older. I don't know how oh, old. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't think they ever said how old he was. Wasn't, wasn't Mitama in his early 20s or something? I just kind of assumed he was in his early 20s, yeah. 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 Okay, see, there we go. I'm totally wrong. <laughs> oh, and uh, what is it? The uh, hard, hard, hard-boiled hard cop and dolphin. Yeah. The guy's like 28, right? Yeah, he's, he's, he's up there, yeah. Boy, how did we miss all these series? <laughs> for, for Shonen Jump, yeah, he's up there. On the sliding scale, I guess. For, for Shonen Jump, that's ancient, yeah. I, I don't know yeah. how old Orphe is, but he is a dad. <laughs> oh, well, he's in dolphin years, though, so it doesn't count. <laughs> see, see, all, all, the, all, the, all the everybody in their mid-twenties is taking over Shonen Jump, but we didn't even realize it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. It's, it, it's growing with its demographic. <laughs> yeah. Let's get a 60-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just cover everybody. <laughs> that would be yeah, great. That sounds about right. I guess, did we uh, did we have any more questions that we still need to go through? Or uh, Yeah, I did have a few. Like, the main last ones actually involve translation, so definitely focus on David, but also uh, Carla. Is like, uh, one of the big ones is, like, the decision to use kaiju uh, for the title and to refer to the creatures in the series, especially because uh, there's also that translation on Manga Plus that is also from Shueisha, where they call it Monster Number 8. So I'm curious about that. And also just in general, other like translation difficulties or choices that you had when it came to terminology or moments of humor in the series. Uh, Carly, do you want to start off? Uh, You know, it's funny that that's a question because I never even considered like there was no <laughs> no one considered naming it monster. So, <laughs> 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 so that was yep. like interesting. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. What the dif- what the difference was um, for Shueisha because actually because you know they're like a different entity like Manga Plus is a different entity um, but we all were calling it Kaiju Number Eight internally and actually the the actual big discussion we actually had internally was are we going to call this Kaiju Eight or Kaiju Number Eight 
Like that was the, <laughs> that was the discussion. It was never like, are we gonna call this monster um, <laughs> or like big dude or whatever? Like none of us. Were like, <laughs> big dude. <laughs> I'd be Look, down for that. I would totally read a manga called Big Dude. <laughs> big Dude. Damn. Same. I read that too. But I just yeah. So it was it's it was interesting to me that that people asked that because like it just was such like a. For me, kaiju is just like such a word. Like, I feel like kaiju is one of those words that has been sort of appropriated, especially like into like anime and manga culture. And in like, and I think when you consider your audience, like they're not going to be lost. It's, it's, you know, it's a borrowed word at this point. Um, (laughs) Like sushi and everything. Like people know what a kaiju is. And I think if they don't, they find out very quickly. You can pick it up. You can pick it up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Through context. Um, Yeah. So we never... It never even came up in conversation. It was literally like, do we call it number eight or eight? And that was <laughs> that was as far as like the discussion went. And then like I kept naming files number eight, and here we are. So it ended up being number eight. Yeah. It also played into the uh, the fact that in the lore, like you know, they they named the kaiju like the typhoons. Yeah, and that was one of the strong arguments for using number instead of just saying eight. Um. So to sort of signify that this is like a system, a numbering well, system. Yeah. Um, so I think I like the title as it is. And, I, I, like, uh, I like it too. Yeah. It's It's got that, because uh, kaiju is sort of like, like you said, it's like one of those terms in like, not even just anime and manga, just like people who like Japanese stuff in general. Like there are kaiju fans, like people who like Godzilla and Rodan, oh, yeah. and, and they like to use the word kaiju, like, because it's... Like, giant monster just doesn't encapsulate it, right? It's got to be... It's specifically, like, these, like, kind of giant monsters that come and destroy buildings and stuff like that, so... Yeah, it, in this case, I do feel like is the most specific word. David, do you have anything to say about um, the choice to stick with um, Honju and Yoju? Mm, yeah. Uh, for that, I think that one is kind of like a segue into that, because... Since we're already using kaiju, right? Kaiju is already a term that we're using. Why would I just go like, okay, now we're just going to call them residual beasts and then main beasts. And it's like, well, I mean, we're already using Japanese. We might as well just keep to it, right? So Honju and Yoju, like, the, first of all, they're shorter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I'm you. I'm sure that Thank you. Brandon's thankful that that saved leathering space. <laughs> right. And I always do this thing where, like, personally, where if I'm introducing a term, you know, uh, I learned this a long time ago from Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, where if you have, like, two terms that you want to use, like, as a translation and a definition, you just stick them in the same bubble with an M-dash. <laughs> so, in the very, very first chapter, like, there's a the news anchor that's, like, warning people about uh, Yoju in the area, and he says, Yoju, or residual beasts, you know? So, it's like, there you go. You can just ex- explain it once, and you're good. Yeah, and then at the end of the chapter, they even go through it. So then I have another chance to explain there, just in case you haven't really uh, caught on to that. Yeah, so. that worked out perfectly that they had that page at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I think because there there was that last page at the end of the first chapter, you know, that the, the author felt it necessary to, to make that difference clear. It, it makes it makes sense to um, to retain that in English. I definitely think so as well, because... Honestly, I was like, it's. it seemed like a no-brainer to me. Like, I didn't know if, like, anybody up top was going to be like, eh, you know, let's just call them main beasts. And it's like, well, that's going to be a little clunky, you know. But 
it works out perfectly because, you know, you've got the root word in there, you got Jew, you got, like, you know, beast, and you have kaiju, and, you know, just swap them out. Like, it just, it just seems like the best choice. I think it also helps when you're in a sort of, I guess, like, dystopia, like, otherworldly world to have terms that are not familiar. I think people have gotten Mm. used to that in fantasy and science fiction in general. And so when you're introducing these terms, like, they've gotten used to getting, like, a word and being like, maybe I'm not familiar with that word and immediately getting a definition and being like, all right, we're rolling with this. Honed you. Like, (laughs) (laughs) let's keep this ball rolling and then that's it. Yeah. If it was just like a normal, like, school setting, maybe it would be different. I think sometimes, like, the type of story that's being told can help to make those sorts of choices. Um, I didn't expect to get much pushback once we were using Kaiju. Once we got to Honju and Yoju, I was like, well, it kind of makes sense to use this. And I hope I, I was prepared to argue, actually. Mm-hmm. If it- <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I didn't have to, but I, I did have points already built up for why we should not translate at that point. Like, and, and sort of like, I, I, in a way, it would. I think it would have broke immersion. Yeah, <laughs> that's another thing I was like, very, I, I was like, this is, it's part of their world, right? So, like, it doesn't make much sense to just, like, translate it, because I feel like it's doing a disservice to, like, the title at that point, you know? Because you're already in this world with kaiju in it, so, like, just, you know, call them, you know, whatever, like, honju and yoju, like. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't break immersion like that so yeah and manga fans have come to expect terminology like that you know if they if, if we could read a bleach and deal with a lot of the different terms used in that series you know something as simple as uh honju yoju like yeah i think fans can easily latch onto those yeah I think so, too. And it wasn't done clunkily. Like, you know, I didn't, like, sneak it in, like, the third chapter or something, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, again, I, I think that's also one of those one of those parts where it helps to have, you know, part, like, a big chunk of the story to work on at once. So, you know, you can, you can go through and be like, ah, is, is Honju and Yoju the right choice, or should we change it? You know, those, depending on where the story went, you know, those kinds of considerations might have needed to be made. Yeah, there was also some weird thing with Mina and her ranking. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. That I had to change. I forgot about that. David did a fine translation. It was just that things got weird later on because there were other people with ranks. And so I spent a lot of time reading about military structures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I got a note that it was confusing what her rank exactly was, like what it meant in context of the world. And I was just like, oh. And then I looked at the other guy's rank. I said, oh. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I opened I up my like, Japanese that. dictionary and I was like, oh, no. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was like something like a commander or something like that. I can't remember yeah, what it was. So, and then she had an aspiration. Like they were talking about her becoming. I forgot what it was. If, essentially, she was like division command, divisional command. I think is what we had. Yeah. But it was confusing because she was already in charge of a division, and so it was like unclear if she was going to be over all the divisions, which is actually what core, the core commander. Yeah, and so I had to change it. <laughs> Gotcha. Right, because huh. she's captain of the third division, but she is regarded as like a potentially the next commander of the entire defense corps. Got it. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. it, which is comprised of multiple divisions, and so I was just like, to like, just I was. Oh my god, I was losing it because I was just like, I don't understand. <laughs> this is my weakness. 
I was like, I don't understand military. <laughs> so I was actually, <laughs> there was actually a part, uh, I think in chapter three as well, that um, I sent you, a, I had a note, uh, like if you've ever seen any of my scripts, they're like ridiculously filled with notes and you just see like a whole bunch of like notes for like random stuff. It's like, well, Andy's toenail is slightly askew in panel four. Like, <laughs> so, but like, uh, I, I made a note to differentiate the defense force and the Japanese ground self-defense force, because those are different entities in this universe. And I still misread the note. <laughs> <laughs> so there was like a panel that said, hey, this place shares a building with the JSDGF. And my note wasn't, I don't know, I think it might not, I read it again. It didn't really like articulate what I was trying to say. But uh, Carla kind of interpreted it to be, like, just the defense force, like, because there's a defense force in this series, right? So, like, I looked at it, I'm like, oh, no, that's wrong. <laughs> let me let me, let me me email her again. I'm like, oh, Carla, this is wrong. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> this is totally my fault. I should have explained it a little better. I was also really tired, and I was just like, it's, I was like, it's the defense force. And then, like, <laughs> we've been introduced to them. We'll just use defense force. It's less confusing for everyone. And I just did not, my brain did not register that there could be two different defense forces. Right. Because then there's another guy who comes in is, and he's the star of the defense, the Japanese ground defense force that transferred over. And it's like, okay, well, at least I got that in time. Because <laughs> that would have been hella confusing for everyone. I think, I think they would have caught it. I think that particular one, someone well, else would have got it in the proofing stage. Maybe. I don't know. If they didn't catch Asahiro, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who really knows Because I was point? definitely like, I was like, oh. Because again, military is my weakness. And I'm just like, how does it even work? And so I'm like. <laughs> you know, I'm usually good about this too because I'm a big Gundam fan. So like, I'm usually good with like like that kind of nuanced stuff but I, that first chapter was such a blur like, <laughs> that i just did not like pick up on a lot of things i was doing i was just like all right this is good and then i was just going on to the next page so that was like partially my fault for the first chapter like anything that's like weird there is like my fault you can blame me <laughs> not carla <laughs> it's okay so. you can blame me Nah. <laughs> all right all right maybe i don't know <laughs> organizational hierarchies are confusing like even in real life i'm sure if you were to ask like someone even a part of the organization they would be like uh i don't know who my uh, who all these people are in relationship to me in this right. organization right right <laughs> it's right. too big it's too big <laughs> it's too big like a kaiju <laughs> uh, kaiju it's kaiju big yeah man it is too big so yeah, you know, those are the translation woes, I guess. <laughs> a little you know, bit, yeah. How do you organize the military? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing really humor-wise has been very hard to translate. Yeah, the series has been pretty easy, it seems. I mean, I don't know, you know, speaking as the editor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that experience with something like Matama, which was more difficult to work around. Yeah, Matama, sometimes it would be back and forth because I'm like trying to understand what was going on <laughs> um and i'm like hey so you mean the joke is like this and then i would like try to adapt it a little bit more sometimes or sometimes i would just go with what the translator did but sometimes i could think of a different way to render it so i'm kind of glad i didn't have to do that here <laughs> considering how many chapters we were trying to get through <laughs> oh gosh yeah if there were if there were like la language specific jokes on top of that it just oh, oh boy yeah 
Yeah, I'm trying to even think about, like, if there's any, like, language-specific jokes in the first five chapters, but I don't even think there is. Most of it's just, like, practical humor, like, like pratfalls and slapstick and stuff like that. Yeah, so well, that, that stuff's pretty easy. Yeah, it's pretty, like, straightforward. Although, I will say that David, when we meet Kikoru, she calls an old man and at one point in the script i changed it to oldie in my like oldie, fried oldie. Out yeah, i noticed that <laughs> i noticed that because it's still in the script i was like this sounds better i think and then i like changed it to oldie and it didn't sound better <laughs> and it's still it's still in the in the chapter in one panel and then yeah i checked it there so i did make an intentional note to keep oldie in one uh, in one part okay. Um, okay. to switch it up so it wasn't a mistake um, okay gotcha, cool. gotcha. and just to switch up the old man type of thing i thought oldie flowed better in that particular sentence but like no that makes sense poor brandon like i had him retouch it as oldie and then i was like can you go back and change it to old man <laughs> it's a really, it, was a really quick, it was a really quick change so i don't i don't mind <laughs> yeah it was not not at all an issue i was like can you clean up my mistakes um we're <laughs> 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 thinking with this girl would call him um oh you know there is something that i do want to touch on though um uh reno calls uh kafka senpai uh in the original so i made the conscious decision of not using senpai and using sir instead because it's multi-utility and it also shows the relationship between the 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 two in a work setting because reno is kind of like your basic like 18 year old japanese kid who like uses like really flippant kind of like uh keigo like he's just like he always says instead of desu he says S-, like just you know he doesn't even finish the day like he just you know he's like uh he's like he just like always says he's like very flippant about his uh keigo and stuff like that so uh i made a very conscious decision to use uh the word sir instead and there was one time uh one panel i think in chapter three where um, I think Kafka says, if I had failed the first exam, uh, I would have been ex- a pathetic senpai for for him. But then I changed that to I, well, I made that role model instead. Mm. So I made a more conscious decision to think about like that's a good choice. Adapting, yeah, exactly, because it doesn't bring you out of even though senpai. Going back to what we were saying about kaiju, yoju, honju, senpai is one of those words where it's just kind of like. It's in the lexicon. People know it is. People say it. I'm seeing it used in like Western cartoons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I've used it in projects before. It's just that, you know, it's just one of those words where if I can find an alternative for it, I will try. Because it's one, it's like, it's something that you're going to be calling that character for a while. Yes. You know? (laughs) So it's just going to be there staring you in the face a lot. So I really wanted to like if I can I can you know try and nix it before it becomes like a a big problem or change it to something else. Uh, I think a lot of people tend to like default to like using the surname instead um or like you know Mr or something like that but you know I think sir is fine because also it's it serves as a double utility for sentences where like usually like maybe there's not senpai in there but he wants I want to show that he's trying to be like respectful so he uses, like, he tacks on a sir at the end, you know, kind of like military style. Yeah, I like so. it for the military. When he, when, when David chose that, I was like, yes, thank you. I don't have to think. Um. 
it's a very nice form of characterization with Reno too to uh, constantly refer to Kafka with Sir because it like reflects that he is a very polite character. Yeah, he's uh he respects the chain of command. The chain of command is mostly what I wanted to get through with that that choice, uh, and I'm glad that everyone was on the same page with it. Yeah, sometimes it can like- be awkward to translate that type of stuff and and keep it. <laughs> yeah. Script, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I was glad yeah. that we could maintain like that feeling for his character. Right, right. I didn't really put much thought into it. I just it's felt right. I was like, <laughs> all right, let's just let's just do this. You know, like let's not overthink it because then I'll he'll be calling him like Mister Sir or whatever. Like he'll I'll like yeah, yeah. Totally if it's a decision you've got to stick with for the whole series, and you want to make sure you like it. Yeah, exactly. So it's short, it's short, simple, to the point, gets the message across, and it's multi-utility. That's basically everything I could ask for. <laughs> yeah. um, there's also, like, you know, a lot of, um, I try not to use a lot of um, loan words or waseego or, like, you know, gaiwego, whatever you want to call them. Um, but I did use, I think in the same chapter that the role model line was in, I used revenge match. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and... A lot of times it gets translated as payback or something like that or like grudge match or something like that. But revenge match, it sounded right, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a big Tekken fan and in Tekken you uh, revenge match people. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like that term. And the, and the announcer goes revenge match like in English and it's really cool. Um, so that was like something that I wanted to like just, you know, I'm like, all right, let me keep it in there. If someone says something about it, then we'll change it. But, you know. I thought it was cool. Every time David takes a, a risk, if he goes back through my scripts, which I guess he does, I will write a series of alts. <laughs> in case someone brings oh. up, like, I don't know if this is working. I'm like, well, how about this one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's always a series of alts. <laughs> like, I always, like, I, or I'll, like, I'll do an alt and then I'll do, like, a lit, like, a literal translation. And then an alt, and then alt two, and I'm like, all right. <laughs> one of these has to work. Brandon should be tired of us because we're both just leaving like seen <laughs> amount of notes in the script. I love it personally. I I love seeing the like the back and forth. I, I love seeing the the translators and editors um like justifying their decisions. Um, you know, and it, it, it's not it doesn't take that much effort to just like skip past it or you know like obviously I'm like ah oh, this doesn't need. This is not what's supposed to be copying and pasted into the manga. So it's it's very easy for me to just like read, read it, enjoy it, and just like move past it. So now see, if you worked on Undead Unluck, there would just be like you would get really tired of it. <laughs> because there was like there's like a few times where I like I like go really ham, like especially on that one I was talking about where like Victor's name is wrong and stuff like that, and I gave her like a whole supplemental like like google doc that had like <laughs> examples from it and, shit. and i was oh, like oh man no yeah i like that information though because i'm oh, very wow. meticulous and so it helps oh there was there was also another one where uh i think like they showed the prices of stuff in like yen and i put things in not only did i put things in uh the currency like the the conversion i put them in a, like a simplified co- uh, conversion that was like matched the yen prices so if it was like 5,000 yen, I just chopped the zeros off. But then I did like an actual conversion <laughs> and I put them in the notes. I was like, uh, I wonder. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I was like, oh, one of these is going to stick. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah. So I'm very meticulous when it comes to stuff like that. And thorough. I really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate you appreciating me. <laughs> well, I appreciate you appreciating us for appreciating that. Oh, Jesus. Uh-huh. All right. All right. <laughs> this will go on forever. Oh, and also, uh, I guess another thing on translation in general for like series I do, if I do sound effects, I make sure that I put the original Japanese sound effect in there as well, like as a note with like dis- a description of what it is. Because it helps sometimes if you want to change it afterwards. Like, like, oh, I don't think this really goes with this page or whatever. Like, if somewhere down the uh, the line someone wants to, like, change it, it's more easily acceptable, uh, easily readable, like, to someone who doesn't even know Japanese, you know? Like, I'll, like, it'll be like, don't, it'll be like, boom, and I'll put, like, don't, you know, big impact or something like that. I don't know. Also helpful to me. <laughs> <laughs> well i appreciate that I'll, I'll keep doing it i was gonna say one thing about david's uh sound effect translations that i really do appreciate which is uh, the length of them actually i don't know if that's something that you considered i do yeah <laughs> but um it's something that you don't think about in simuls but you know we we use those simul sound effects on the the print versions and you know like i'm i'm the one going in there and like retouching it out and stuff like that so say a, a translator isn't like paying attention to that, and then suddenly I have like this like huge English sound effect that I have like I have to fit it in the space of like three or four kana. And you know, like oh sometimes I'll have to like go to the editor and be like, hey, can can I shorten this? You know, sometimes I have that uh, I'm trusted without autonomy. Sometimes, you know, like I should probably ask before I do that. And so I appreciate that was one thing I noticed right off the bat was like, hey, if I ever have to go back and retouch the sound effects for a print release, like the sound effects all seem to be at an appropriate length. You know, they're like, I, I could see myself not having much trouble fitting in, like, the length of the translation into that space. I try to make it so, like, the sound effects, uh, if there's a vowel in there, you can kind of take away the vowel and still have a coherent sound effect. That that stuff is super helpful. Yeah, so if it's something like, uh, I don't know, like, something that has, like, an I in it, like, I don't know, like, gish gwish like like squishing like whoosh whoosh you can take out the eye and then it'll still read as like something that you can put your mind to right so i i try to think about that because i i appreciate good lettering i've you know i don't want the letterers to have to do more work than they have to (laughs) so and i don't want the editors to do more work than they have to so i try to make sure that everything's a Straight pipeline, like you know, the pipeline is very streamlined. Right? I I notice those sorts of things when the when those considerations are made. So it is highly appreciated. Of course, I just appreciate translators who are good at sound effects because I am not. <laughs> <laughs> I've had I've had years of experience with uh, with sound effects. So I realized that my brain never really read like even like reading manga and stuff. Like I think my brain would like just literally skip over sound effects. I just never registered them, like, to use as an editor. <laughs> it makes sense. Like, I'm a big JoJo fan, and, like, so JoJo is very known for its sound effects. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, to a point where, if I remember correctly, it was, like, you know, that was, like, one of the first, like, English Viz manga at the time that didn't touch the sound effects. Like, at the time, they, they retouched all the sound effects. They didn't touch touch it for, for JoJo. Uh, back when they were still doing like part three as a 
Shonen Jump Advanced or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so, like, they didn't touch him. And I was like, oh, wow. They just left them, you know, that's it. But this is part of the art, you know? So, like, uh, Araki was very big into making his sound effects part of the art. And that was something that really resonated with me when I was, like, reading JoJo, like, years and years ago. Like, this is, like, back in high school, so. I think, I think it would take, like... A really, really good letterer to um to be able to like re- replicate. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. sound effects. Yeah. So like, it, no, it's not that it's impossible, but like, I you have to get somebody who's really good at it. Yeah, yeah that's an intensive redrawing work. I think sound effects are like one of those things that you don't really think about until it's go time. You know, until you're like you're actually reading the page. That's when you realize that there are sound effects there, and that they control so much of the. The flow of a page as well. Yep. You know, because they're so prominent most of the time. Like, I mean, obviously because of scripts and stuff, but I just, <laughs> 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 they stand out a lot to me now. Like, I'm I'm like, oh, and then sometimes now, since I've become more experienced as an editor, I think more about the choices of sound effects, whereas I really heavily relied on translators in the beginning because I was like, I never thought this hard about stuff. Like, I would be like, what does it sound like when your foot goes into, like, mud or something and then you pull it back out? Like, it's a different sound than going in. And, like, <laughs> I never thought that hard about sound, so. Yeah. <laughs> Manga localization is opening up the uh, the chakra in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> her eye is fully open. Um. <laughs> That's really how it feels like sometimes. Yeah. You feel like the biggest brain, like, you're just like, oh, man, I did it. Like, <laughs> nailed it. Yep, right? yep, yep. And you're, like, sitting and you're just saying it out loud to yourself. <laughs> oh, God. Do you know how crazy I sound in my room and on a daily basis? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I read all of my dialogue. I read every single piece of my dialogue out loud. So I'm just in here, like, just reading dialogue and making sound effects. <laughs> like, you know. Da 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 da! Wow, wow! Like you know, I just sound crazy in my room. Yeah, it's fun, but it's also weird, especially now that everyone's like sheltering in place, so people can like family can just walk by and be like, "Why is she just like dum 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 dum?" Like you know, and it's like yeah, you're sheltering in place, so like everyone in your entire house is just like listening to you like ramble on like a crazy person like what the hell is he doing in there yeah. it used to just be like my poor cubicle mate but now it's like everyone has to hear me like also talk dialogue out loud i, I a lot especially for shoujo titles because <laughs> i really want to make sure it's hitting something emotionally so like i'll read it out loud and i'll be like no that's that sounds a little awkward and i'm like trying to fix it <laughs> for it's uh i don't know if other translators do this for manga but like i i read the my japanese reading skills are like almost as good as my english reading skills so i read the dialogue in japanese out loud and then I read my version of that dialogue out loud and see how long it takes me to read both of them. So, like, if they're equal reading speeds, then I know I'm on the right track. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, like, uh, you process the amount of information at the same time, almost. So you're not like... Because I know a lot of people who translate for manga and they just, like, they don't give a shit about what's in the dialogue. There's like all right, we got a paragraph here and we got another paragraph here and I don't really care. We got another paragraph here. Rip, like, rip it's the lever. Like, 
Yeah, rip the letterer. The letter, poor letterer's got to like go to like nine point font. Like. It's like one of those bubbles that's like super skinny and long, and they're just. Oh, like- <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Oh, man, they're put like a whole paragraph in there. I've definitely I've had to work with that before. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> just, oh boy. And it sucks. <laughs> it can be tricky. So but- that's yeah, it, it's tricky. It, it just sucks because like. You want to make, I like, in my mind, like, I want to give the people that are reading this, like, the same kind of experience that, like, a person reading this in Japanese would. Not to say that I'm trying to give them everything that was in the Japanese, but I'm just trying to give them, like, a similar reading experience. So it's, like, you know, easy, snappy to read, like, you know, everything's nice and orderly. There's, like, not a lot of, like, erroneous, like, clauses and stuff like that all over the place. Because a lot of amateur translators will like to do that. They just like put too much, they took, they put too many words in there and it detracts from the entire experience, right? Because you're, you're so busy like reading what's supposed to be like a two second, like not even like a, like half a second worth of dialogue and they make it like two seconds worth and it just kind of like ruins the flow. Yeah, definitely. I think flowing is like normally a good sign when you're just like, ah. This dialogue flows like there's no hiccups. Like if I'm tripping over words when I'm talking, I'm like reading them and I'm like, okay, well, this is not if I'm tripping out loud, people are going to trip in their head. Like <laughs> sort of like where my brain is at, at least at least I do. Yeah. So, oh, same. If I'm lettering something, uh, I, I think about this a lot as well, because, you know, space real estate in manga is there's not a lot of it. Um, So, I, you know, Carla talked about like like tripping, but I Every time that a word has to be like hyphenated, like I, I consider that like a trip on the reading experience. So like if you have to stop and read the like the next half of the line, you know, like like on the next line, that that to me is like that is a flow killer. Some breaks are not as smooth as others too. So like yeah, yeah. there's there's some that are just like I, it's unavoidable. Yeah, some mm. some word breaks actually I will change the word. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, because I the way that it's that phonetically with... broken up is weird yep 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 or sometimes like if a, if a balloon is really small and you use i don't know if you're gonna be like phenomenal or something like it's gonna break like three times and i think at that point you're like pushing it like if there's more than one word break in a balloon it's like ooh. <laughs> yeah yeah i try to i try to yeah <laughs> No, no more than one, if at all possible. Yeah, yeah, but I do notice that just, Brandon in particular really tries to not do word breaks. Because I'll look at, I'll be like, how did he, yeah. <laughs> how did he fit that? Yeah, yeah it's like, uh, what was it, the the kaiju alarm, and like you use the word government without a break, and I was like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sort of look for that. I look for the longest word in the sentence, and so I try to make my balloon shapes like sort of like flow around that, so that the um, generally you won't like the shape of like like the block of text to resemble the shape of the word balloon and because the word balloons are hand drawn in manga you know 99% of the time we can't change that so i'm i'm looking to like make sure that the longest word is on its own line and then everything gets kind of like the lines get smaller and smaller as you go away from the longest line you know so it ends up being kind of like a diamond shape usually right or or sometimes like a like a square or rectangular shape but yeah, the, the the shape of the dialogue, like the, the shape of the block of text, I think, is also hugely important to how the dialogue flows. So, yeah, that, that's something that I'm always paying attention to. It's not something you think about at all, but... That's the words of a legend right there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not more great insights. Almost spat out my water. 
<laughs> Just like a real legend would. I was going to say legendary. A real legend almost drowned, drowned my PC. <laughs> it happens but, to legends. Yeah. But that's what I loved about this conversation is that you guys have shown a lot of light on the collaborative and creative process that editor, translator, and letterer work together to produce localized manga, and especially in the process of doing simulpots and those challenges. So this has been a lot of fun. I mean, it's gotten me to think about a lot of challenges, a lot of things that I don't think about just uh, consciously as a reader, but like subconsciously benefits and improves my reading experience of a comic. You nailed it. Yep. And it also helps that me and Brandon have been friends for a while. So uh, <laughs> we have a very specific yet influential uh, taste in like how we like our manga in English. So we share like similar ideologies in that. Yeah. In that yeah. Regard. I, think, like, I think that definitely helps. Like I, I always think from the perspective of like a letterer or an editor a lot. Um, because I used to, like, you know, back in the Wild West days where, like, you know, piracy ran free. Like, you know, I was there. I was there in the trenches, right? Like, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, births so many people now who uh, are working on your favorite manga, you know? And, like, some of those skills kind of transfer over. And, you know, it makes you... It depends on, like, how you even looked at it. Because a lot of people are just like, yeah, F the man. I'm going to be better. And then they end up, like... In the fast food industry. Yeah, like, you end up, uh, <laughs> I don't know, lettering a scanlation in Comic Sans. Oh, yeah, it's totally better than the official <laughs> release. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, ah, good, good job, good job. Uh, I think you mean actual official release in Comic Sans. I've seen it, I've seen it. Yeah, those uh, those Japanese publishers don't really care sometimes. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, that looks fine. It's like, but this is in Comic Sans, and it's like 13 points. Yeah. That. <laughs> there you go. It's uh, it's perfectly fine. Uh, but no, me and Brandon really do share a lot of the uh, the same kind of ideologies for, for manga, like how it should look, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that helps a lot. Like, like it's part of the excitement of, like, being able to, to collab with, a, like, a longtime friend, um, but also being like, we, we both know what we want, <laughs> so... Yeah, and so I feel like Kaiju Number Eight is sort of the is sort of the expression of that. And so uh, I hope I get to work with with David and Carla on on future releases as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, you work on two. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, all three of us uh, in on future releases, oh, but yes, as, yes, yes, get, get yeah. the dream yeah. team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, dream team on everything, man. Yeah, so I definitely so, yeah. I appreciate a good team. I, I yeah, I always try to get people who are great you know to work on things so <laughs> and i have two great people working on this thing so Aww. i'm really excited oh that was one of the most exciting things about it was getting the people that i wanted <laughs> to work on it to work on it <laughs> even if i thought i might have like also made the decision to kill brandon inadvertently like but apparently he's alive and well um, <laughs> uh, yeah no, it's surprisingly okay surprisingly okay yeah and so am i Thanks for, thanks for asking. Well, David, <laughs> I knew that you were fine, David. I knew. I mean, I think that's the ironic part is that I think he probably pulled more hours than I did on, on this project. So, you know, I was kind of I was kind of coasting. I'm not going to lie. I could tell that David was like in the same realm of personality as me. And I was like, he's going to he's going to go hard, even though I'm like, you have more time. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's just, we just enabled each other. <laughs> that, that sounds about right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the almost 78 emails that we sent back and forth to one another really uh, solidifies that fact. Um, and honestly, I don't like, I'm, yeah, like a perfectionist when it comes to work. And that's the only like realm where I'm like an actual perfectionist because everything else is like, whatever, man. I don't give oh, a yeah, shit. Yeah. He's a huge like, slacker. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wake up in the same clothes like five days in a row. Like, yeah, so it's going to be good at like, one specific thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like I don't think I've showered in like five days, but it's all right. So it's, it's all good. No one's no one's smelling me. All right. Too busy translating manga. Get... Yeah, exactly. That's what I like. My brain is so hyper focused on other stuff. It's just like, well, I have this deadline on Friday, and then you know, I have this at the end of the month, and then you know. Like that, that kind of stuff like populates my brain, and then everything else is just like, "Oh, did you eat?" And it's like, "Nah." <laughs> did you eat? Is like the single most important question that I can ask myself. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, like, "Did I eat? I did not." Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah. it happens. You just get so engrossed. You're just like, "Oh wow, it's eight o'clock p.m. and I haven't eaten since yesterday." Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well. Better eat sleep for dinner. <laughs> mm, sleep. That sounds good. Mm, the most delicious meal of all. Yeah, it was, that was that that first kaiju number eight weekend was a lot of lot like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Definitely. That was definitely an eat sleep for dinner kind of. Yeah. And I like I was like purposely trying. I think part of the reason I was working so hard on it is because I was trying to give Brandon more time. And he still was like turning it around, like same day or next day. <laughs> would would it be would it be bad to admit that I thought my pace was kind of leisurely? <laughs> oh my god! Yes. It wasn't like oh oh god, I gotta get it done. It was just sort of it just sort of happened. Oh uh, yes, I mean that's what makes it industry legend. <laughs> like, and that was how his emails were just like that. Yeah, he was just like, oh well, I just happened to finish it, and I'm just like, yeah, I was like. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard yeah I mean, uh, that's great <laughs> I mean, oh that's, my gosh that's what happens uh, when you're ha- when you have fun when you have fun on the manga you work on the, the that's, hours, that's the hours tend to they tend to slip away from you yeah i honestly translating manga is like the funnest like i don't know if that's a word it's the most fun that i've had translating in a while because usually I'm I'm translating like games and novels and stuff like that, so that's also fun. But it's very like intensive. Like you like that's a lot of like words per page. You know, with manga, I get to like I don't know. It's just it's fun because you know it's snappy dialogue. You know, no no BS. You just kind of like bing bang boom. That's it. <laughs> uh, you just you you get the dialogue in the bubble. And the bubble, if it doesn't fit in the bubble, whatever. You have to shorten it a little bit, right? But in, like, a novel, I have to, like, do prose and <laughs> all this literary stuff. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I just want to go to bed. Like, you know, it's just it's one of those things where, like, you know, because I I translate a lot of stuff. I have to constantly flip between, like, several projects at the same time. And manga is, like, my favorite. Aw, yay. No, that's wonderful. So what you're saying is that you need to be assigned more manga. Oh, yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The more, the better, actually. (laughs) You're actually, like, ruining me and Joel's evil plan. (laughs) 
Such as just use you on anything. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, definitely. This is what I've been trying to do for the last 12 years. <laughs> just, yep. You're ruining me and Joel's pact to keep you to ourselves just now. Oh, yeah. You're broadcasting yourself no, out here. What are you doing? Everybody, everybody wants a piece of him. Oh, heck, heck yeah. Just put me on whatever you want, preferably something Yu Gi Oh related. I, I don't, I'm not going to say I don't want you. I really want you. Very subtle. Very subtle. I know, right? I'm the master of subtlety. Uh, please put me on. I mean, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely feel that way sometimes. Uh, where uh, like because I, I work for at this point basically every major publisher for manga in the U.S. So it's just kind of like, damn, everybody wants a piece of me. Legend. Just, just Legend. Like, oh, I'm, I'm being stretched in like six different directions right now. <laughs> just like, oh, okay. Oh, that explains why you're so so tall. Uh, hey. <laughs> oh, yeah, there has to be enough brand in the go around. I had to. Yeah. I had. To, I had to grow a lot over the past three years. <laughs> in more ways than one. Hey. I understand. Now everyone knows why I was concerned about Brandon's well-being. Yeah, see, yeah, because I'm out, I'm out here admitting, like, yes, manga is destroying me. <laughs> <laughs> it's also helping you. Yeah. All right. So it's that, you know, you just can't let it go. Yeah, basically. But you do damn fine work. Aw, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Brandon. Aw. And thank you all, like, for this amazing, fun conversation. <laughs> this was a lot time, of fun. <laughs> yeah. Time flies, it seems, when well, you're doing something you love, and time also flies when you're talking about stuff you're passionate about and love, and this was really amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's so fun because I've actually never heard their voices before, so... Oh, uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> yeah, I was actually afraid of, like, uh, exposing my, my voice to, to Carla. Because for the longest time, like, uh, Carla was just, like, an email... Like to me, like, <laughs> like Tatiana, like it's just like, just like you know, uh, whatever you call her, uh, the Microsoft lady, like the the Halo lady. Oh yeah, just like that was that was what Carla was in my brain. Joel is still that in my brain. <laughs> I don't, I have no idea what he sounds like. He could it, be like a, I don't know. So he could sound like Scatman Crothers. I don't even know. <laughs> Who knows. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I don't think it's very often I've heard, like, not not to, you know, this, this sounds like super humble braggy, um, but I don't think I've heard, like, um, like the whole core team of a manga, like, on a podcast before. So this is a really fun experience to just, like, to sort of talk about all of our different roles and, and what we bring to the work. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to have been able to have all you on to talk about your work and like how you work together and on the process again of simulpas of working collaboratively and creatively how you know your work all influences uh everyone else's work like this has been really fun insight into the world of localization so thank you guys so much again yeah 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 i guess we want to leave anybody with anything you know obviously go read kaiju number eight it's really good yeah oh you should be reading it Mm -hmm. yes Uh, it's gonna be the next big thing yeah yeah. make all these guys work worthwhile it's it's a really good series and uh make sure to read it on the shonen jump app oh yeah yeah that's where you can find this creative team's version of this story the best version Yes. We'll save any kind of like, you know, which one you should be reading, but you should be reading the Shonen Jump one. That's the one we <laughs> we worked on that one. That's the one yeah, that we're the, working on. That's the one that we're talking about today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you've been reading on the Manga Plus app, you're on the wrong page. You need to go <laughs> on the Viz website. 
the Shonen Jump website and you need to be there. Mm-hmm. Or if you're just like a yes. nerd and want to compare, you could, I guess, <laughs> I mean, read both. You could. <laughs> if you want, if you're like, if you're that deep into this. Read both. <laughs> read it in Japanese on the Shonen Jump Plus website. Yeah. Yeah. Just- which also, which also follows the same rules as the Shonen Jump website, uh, where chapters... Four, chapter four is actually locked off. You have to pay points for that on the show. Oh, Shonen, okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, so we're yeah, we're past the point where the whole thing's free, so Yeah, you'll have to pay for chapter four. But one through yeah. three and four through And also, I mean, if you're on if you're on the Shonen Jump website, it's two bucks, guys. Yeah, yeah. it's a really wordy investment to read literally thousands of chapters of manga it is like the one most one piece is literally going to be 1000 chapters long in 13 weeks so. yeah <laughs> that alone this is literally the thing i've been asking for for years just a <laughs> flat service that's not doesn't break the bank and you just get all this manga for free for basically free like it's like two bucks like you spend two bucks on like a soda like that's almost my one criticism of the shonen jump app is that i think it costs i think it's too cheap honestly <laughs> I, would, I would actually rather pay more for it <laughs> well, i'll sure, say I'm that sure about anything they'll um they'll, they'll direct that feedback to the, the people making the decisions <laughs> uh, speaking as somebody um who, who i i'm a freelancer so i'm not getting kick, any kickback for saying this I'm, I'm not a shill i promise uh that's sort of am but um Anyway, when I started working for Shonen Jump, um, yeah, like fall 2017, I hadn't actually, I hadn't read anything. Um, I hadn't read the magazine in like four years. So I was behind on everything. And when, when we started Neolation, I had no idea that the service was changing. So I was, I was like flipping out, like, oh my gosh, like, I can just like finally catch up on all of these series without, you know, like, I can't go back through the four years of the magazine that I missed. So I I personally think it's a really really cool thing, and I'm I'm honored to be a part of such a cool service. Oh, definitely. Me too. Thank you so much for that uh, sponsored ad. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, sometimes it's not even an ad; it's a declaration of love, like you know Orson Welles and the Critic. You know, it's just like it's not even just a declaration of love. I love fish sticks. Yeah, like, <laughs> I love Shonen Jump. Yeah, I love Shonen Jump. So. I mean, I guess, like, is is there anything that you guys want to, anything else you guys want to plug before we head out here, or? Um, no, just read uh, Kaiju number eight every every Thursday on the, the Shonen Jump app and on the Viz website. Brandon, what's your Twitter so people can follow you? Oh, I am at Brandon Bovia, uh, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-B-O-V-I-A, no punctuation, you know, just literally just my name. Um, you know, I, I work on tons and tons and tons of manga for uh, all sorts of publishers. I'm always tweeting about work and I'm always, you know, I, I have that pinned tweet with pretty much everything that I've worked on for the past three years. So, you know, if if you enjoy my work or enjoy the things that I worked on, then, you know, hey, give me a follow and uh, I don't know. Don't bug me. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk to me. Yeah, go follow the legend. Uh, what, what about you, David? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on, uh, twitter.com. Uh, I am at Shin Hiroko. A, uh, Shin, like, uh, not like your Shin. Well, I guess like your Shin. Yeah, like your Shin. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. And then Hiroko, H-O-R-O-K-O. Um, I have a T-Hawk picture. And funny story about that, it's like, people kind of, I think people think that's what I look like. Because I'm on a Wikia, (laughs) where that's my picture oh yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> um 
But yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I post pretty much like just me griping about work in Japanese and uh, <laughs> like doing little plugs for whatever I'm working on and uh, posting pictures of food. His translation tidbits are really good, though. Oh, yeah, for Undead Unluck. I, I do a lot of, um, I used to, well, when I had a little bit more free time, uh, I did like uh, tidbits for like, you know, just manga translation things for Undead Unluck, like uh, use of furigana or like, you know, how lettering affects like the finished product and stuff like that. I want to do more of those when I am like have a chance, but, you know, I've been way too busy and I just post pictures of food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, the, the food is all it's torture, man. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um and also, oh, uh, let me plug my other series. Um, <laughs> uh, I work Undead Unluck comes out every Sunday. Uh, it's like the main series that I worked on, uh, working on at the moment. Um, and uh, if you like anything else, like I do a lot of work with uh, Sekai Project for visual novels and um, J Novel Club for light novels. So if you ever want to read books or play visual novels and uh score your favorite waifu uh i work on those as well i'm a very multi-talented translator uh so i'm like all over the place and uh yeah just uh like brandon said don't bug me (laughs) (laughs) um i guess uh what about you carla i mean if you if you don't want to plug your twitter that's that's totally fine no i'll plug the twitter it's fine (laughs) (laughs) people don't bother me I, I I can just not get on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> wow, not on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess you can follow me on Twitter at your own risk. And <laughs> my Twitter name is decaf, like coffee, but without caffeine. Decaf um, underscore pixel, like pixelated um, underscore cat with a K because I'm Carla with a K and I just like to do stuff oh. like that. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> decaf pixel cat. Um, and yeah, I have a pin tweet, but it's really just like a, a ever, evergreen Eva post about how we always let down Kawaru. So I mean, just look around you. It's evergreen 2020 hit. And I was like, guess I'm leaving this, this, <laughs> every month i look at it and i'm like it's still relevant so i just leave it there you just have to put the acoustic version of like unravel you know but i guess go read my sj series mitama r.i.p but it's still in the vault so if you're subscribed yes, you yeah, check out mitama oh, yeah. i will always plug mitama it was one of my favorite series <laughs> and it's very wholesome and i even think I, I think it wrapped up really well too i think it stayed true to itself to the end so yeah definitely give that a read it's a light read and the chapters are shorter they're about 17 pages each chapter so very easy read so please check it out in the vault and, you know, obviously read Undead Unluck because me and David do a lot of work on that one. Um, and Mashal, which, you know, another, like, great series that I work on. Yes, please read Mashal. Yes. 
<laughs> Are you saying that because of any bias, Brandon? Not, not at all. Not, not in in the least. No. Are you not? Are you not saying that? Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. I guess there's no. <laughs> Except there's that no it's bias. the best manga ever. There's no bias. Being... <laughs> my, my, uh, I, I might be dating the translator, but there's no inherent bias in that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I didn't want to be right. the one to say <laughs> it, and I want to be like, I want to be like, hey guys, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll own it. <laughs> but Nova's an amazing translator and she does a really good job with, with Mashal. Um and she's working with me on Zom one hundred as well, so you'll get to see more of her work. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um yeah, so definitely check out Asadora when it hits. This is the series that I've been like super excited about. Um and when we acquired it, I was like, I want to do this series. Um uh, so I'm really happy that I get to do this one and so Please go check out Urasawa. Obviously, he himself is a legend, like not unlike Brandon. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, getting, getting compared to Urasawa is not not on my bucket list today. That's for sure. Uh, uh, I can imagine it's not on many. <laughs> and scene. Um. And scene. All right, that's a wrap. <laughs> oh, and Snow White with the red hair. How could I forget? I'm sorry, Brandon. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Please read Snow White with the red hair. Oh, my Please. gosh. Please. Wow. Oh, another whole series. I'm embarrassed series. that it's... I never mentioned that. Wow. We we are we are failing. <laughs> but read Snow White with the red hair. It is wholesome content. The characters are great. It's very consistent. You, it's just a nice... If you don't want to be stressed out, just go read some Snow White and yeah. chill. <laughs> it's actually my favorite manga in my lineup, which... I, I think it's saying a lot because I work on a lot, but you mean second only to Kaiju number eight? Uh, right? They're tied. <laughs> it's close. You know, I, I've had a long relationship with Snow White. You know, it's been I've been working on it for almost two years at this point. So that's true. That's true. It is still Actually, it's still good. Yeah. Wow. Um. So yeah, definitely check that out. And you know, I don't know if you see one of our names on something, check it out because we probably worked really hard on it. Yeah. Exactly. That's uh, our names are associated with quality. Uh, I would h- hope to think. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll say that for we'll say that for you too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I haven't I haven't established myself in Viz long enough to say that. But if you see me on anything else, you better know that I didn't sleep on that project. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we we definitely we definitely appreciate all the work you guys do, and uh, yeah, we we really loved having you on, and this was a this was a good conversation. Th- thank you guys so much for coming on, and uh, Lum, I think uh, I think it's about time for us to head into the wrap up of the show. Yeah, I'm hearing some siren sound and some warning bells. I think a kaiju is nearby. We better take shelter and, yeah, wrap up. Once again to Carla, David, and Brandon for coming on the show and talking with us about their work on Kaiju number eight. It was a really fantastic discussion again on the collaborating creative process of localization. And I think we learned a whole lot about what goes into translating, lettering, and releasing and publishing a manga in English, especially a simul-published manga. Oh yeah. And yeah, it was really, really interesting and informative discussion. So I want to thank these guys again. And I'm looking forward to the next time we'll be able to have all of them on the show again and be able to have a discussion of the scope again. But until that next time, 
And before we wrap up the show, I once again have some community shout-outs that I'd like to highlight to also kind of shed some light on some cool things. First off, we've got a new video from Erica Friedman, friend of the show, founder of Akazu and Yurikon. And she has recently made a video about what makes a story Yuri that basically goes into how Yuri is defined not just by what the publisher decrees and how it is shelved on a bookstore, but how you as the viewer perceive it and have resonated and respond to it emotionally. So it really goes into kind of the subjective experience of classifying a work of art as Yuri, especially since, you know, historically up until two decades ago, the genre and idea of Yuri as a genre wasn't really in place. So especially when evaluating and reevaluating older work as Yuri, it really does come down to personal subjective perspective. I was really delighted and honored to contribute my voice in a small way in the opening segment of her video too. So I want to thank Erica again for allowing me to participate in that. And yeah, it was a really, really fun and informative video. So I highly recommend it. I've been getting into quite a few interesting YouTube videos and channels recently. One I really want to highlight, though, a new discovery of mine that I got super into and basically binged the bulk of their content, if not all of it, is Hamon Beat. They are a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure-focused YouTuber that does a lot of really cool series, like debunking the idea of a Rocky Forgot, or essentially common criticisms in the JoJo fan community of things they feel a Rocky forgot about when writing the various parts of JoJo's. And basically, he goes into why a lot of those commonly cited uh, mistakes on Araki's part are really not his mistake. It's really the mistake of the reader from either misunderstanding what's going on or not actually paying attention themselves. But really, one of his best videos is a recent one where he described the concept of fate, the team of fate in JoJo's, which is like the central theme of JoJo's. And so perfectly, in kind of a succinct way too, he really got into the nitty gritty of like why that is a, such a persistent team in JoJo's. Like basically the protagonists, the antagonists, the entire world is bound by this idea of fate that there is a predestined course of paths and the villains are trying to reject it and the heroes embrace it. And that is what causes the problems. And it's really great analysis. That also, I think one thing I really liked about his uh, debunking part six uh, misconceptions video in particular is that he really got into a great thematic, you know, understanding of like, why that team of fate is so crucial to the series and especially into like the ending of the original timeline that concludes with part six. So I really, really appreciated that. And it also I thought it was really interesting how he was able to tie that in in his utter recent video, which kind of 
is like an explanation of King Crimson. And rather than like explain the mechanics of King Crimson, he like explains it in terms of the team of fate in the series and like how King Crimson as a stand is tied into that team, which is was a really brilliant way of doing that. And he was very thorough in breaking down, okay, here is every instance King Crimson is used. Here are the mechanics of the stand. Here is why it worked in every single moment. So I really appreciated that. So yeah, I really appreciated his channel. Another series of videos I liked from him were basically going over like all the differences between the anime and manga versions of, of course, the various adapted parts. And he pointed out a lot of details that the anime included that I totally missed that was really cool to me. So really appreciated that. Also, I want to shout out a new video from Mr. Fusion, a retrospective on plan to eradicate the science, both the original game, the OVA tie into the game, and of course, like the remade OVA that was released with the Raging Blast game in 2010. And it was a really cool retrospective because he spends a lot of time kind of well laying down the groundwork of Dragon Ball video games in the early 90s. And then what made the original game that Planned to Eradicate the Saiyans was attached to stand out. I mean, a lot of the video that was really cool was just looking at the game and how the storytelling in the game worked and then comparing that to how it worked in basically the animated companion and breaking down okay here is what made the story interesting in the original game and here's why the anime companion kind of falls apart but then here's an interesting thing about how it was changed in the revised version when they kind of made a version of the game that used footage from the animation, but then added a whole other thing to make it a play-your-own-your-venture kind of game. So that was really fascinating. And yeah, like, it was a really cool look at kind of like a interesting part of Dragon Ball history that is in some ways obscure, in some ways, you know, very commonly discussed, but... It's interesting because I have not seen people talk about, like, this story. They usually talk about it from the perspective of, oh, here is this special that was tied into the video game. It's pretty bare bones. But, like, Mr. Fusion really took a look at the game and then how the special fit in with the game and then really broke down the storytelling differences in that, which I really appreciated. Similarly, I really appreciated Kanzenshu's recent playthrough of Super Batoden 2, specifically to look at the earliest mentions of the Hera clan and try and document that lore firsthand. And the Hera clan, of course, is the clan that Bojack and Zygen, all that villain group from Bojack and Bound, belong to. And it was really cool just kind of playthrough, uh, having not played through Toten 2 myself. I enjoyed Mike kind of just going through it. But I also thought it was interesting to hear, like, so where did this thing that has now commonly been associated with Bojack's lore come from? Because it wasn't in the original movie pamphlets. It wasn't in the film itself. But it's seemingly the earliest point of origin for this is in this game. So let's play through this game and see where it's brought up in the context and try and extrapolate information on that. So I appreciated that a lot. I thought it was a really interesting place through and I thought the discussion and the research was really interesting on, you know, the Herakan and that origin. So appreciated that. And then finally I want to mention Tama Hiroka's 
recent Ruby and Sapphire retrospective, retrospective on the Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire games, she really put those games in an interesting historical context of like when the games came out and kind of the environmental and ecological concerns of the developers that they weaved into the story of the game thematically and how that was executed. And it was a really thoughtful analysis of like the thought that was put into those games, like in terms of how it was constructed and how it helped guide the players through its story and the messages it was trying to impart. And in some ways that made it probably one of the most ambitious Pokemon games. And in general, I really like Tom Aroka's retrospectives on the Pokemon video games. She has also done retrospectives on Diamond and Pearl and Gold and Silver. And those are also really interesting and I highly recommend. The Diamond and Pearl one basically breaks down why the storytelling, the pacing of the game really falls flat with like an actual graph where she documented her playthrough of the game and like all the key story points in the game and how long it took her to get to those. And it's really interesting to see like her firsthand documentation of like, okay, so here are all the story events there's a long lag in this third act where nothing is happening after you beat galactic and fight bogner and so yeah i thought that was a really interesting breakdown of the storytelling of that game and uh similarly her gold and silver retrospective was really great because it looked at how the game was really focused more like, you know, a core JRPG in a way the other Pokemon games weren't in terms of how the mechanics in that game worked and how that, as someone who really loved really intensive JRPGs, you know, she gravitated towards, but how for others whose appeal in Pokemon is more of the social slash competitive aspect that wasn't so appealing. So I really appreciated her look at the mechanics of that game too. So those were also great videos. Uh, and also in addition to that, I also liked her retrospective on the Hentaro video games uh, that she also did recently. Because those are also a neat obscurity that I liked seeing people, you know, shine a spotlight on. I guess actually a final, final thing I also want to mention is Did You Know Gaming's uh, How Pokemon Gold and Silver Changed Around the World. And similarly, they also did one for Red and Blue. Because these were interesting because they actually spoke with like translators who worked on the localization of these games. And the top process behind name changes and decisions that went into the localization of those games back in the day. So I thought that was a really interesting kind of look at like, hey, here are some creative choices behind like why some Pokemon names were changed, why there are some pop culture references or things that were changed, edits that were made. So I like those videos too. So yeah, there's uh, quite a few cool YouTube videos that are very informative and really interesting kind of discussions that go deep into series and topics that I really recommend and I hope you guys check out. All right, and uh, that's going to be about it for community shoutouts. As always, we will uh, we will have links in the show notes on our website at allcomic.com for where you can uh, check out everything Lum mentioned. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to be about it for the show. Uh, I think this was a really good episode. I really hope people enjoyed it. Uh, as for what's coming down the pipeline, uh, nothing concrete just yet. Uh, but I promise you, we we have a lot coming up uh, and a lot already recorded, which we'll get into in just a bit. But yeah, let's just start plugging all of our stuff. Lum, where can the good people find you? 
You can find me at LumRamiyasha online on Twitter, on Animation Revelation Analyst, wherever there's a LumRamiyasha, that's where you can find me. You can read my reviews on oldashcomic.com. we got a lot of books coming in. we got a lot of reviews going out. I recently wrote quite a lengthy one on Rosa Versailles that was long overdue for me to finally get around to writing, but was very well received, so a very thankful and happy about that but yeah we got more reviews in the works and ready for your eyes to read coming very very soon so definitely keep an eye on that on all that show.com for that and of course that's where you can also find the other related podcasts to this show like lum squad the university officer folks podcast i do with my friend ac and manga fights manga merits ad movies all those you can find on all that and also basically the podcast feed that Manga Mavericks is on. And look forward to more installments of those. Alright, as for me, I'm Colting. You can find me on Twitter at SniperKing323. I also do a lot of my own podcasts on the side, which you can find links to over my personal blog at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. Uh, I do I do a lot of other shows, uh, mostly affiliated with the Ass Backwards Anime Podcasting Network, uh, such as One Podcast Prevails, a Detective Conan slash Case Close podcast, and currently some other patron-only uh, podcasts that you could find at ssanetwork.com, such as the Poltergeist Report, where we talk about Yu Yu Hakusho, and the Untitled Depression Horse podcast, where we talk about BoJack Horseman. Uh, again, you can find links to all these shows, again, at uh, in one easy, convenient page on my personal blog at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. Uh, but as for Manga Mavericks and everything else related to uh, All Comic, you can basically find every episode of the Manga Mavericks podcast and its subsequent podcasts over at all-comic.com. Uh, that's where we post every episode first. Unless you are a patron at our Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks, you want to sign up for that Patreon, and I'll tell you why. Uh, at the $2 tier, you can subscribe to that and basically get uh, early access to select podcasts whenever we have them edited. Uh, at the time we're recording this, we have five episodes of the podcast that we are still trying to find uh, time to basically upload to the main feed. Um, so if, if so, if you're one of those people who are wondering, hey, where are all these podcasts that you're recording? Uh, you know, basically when we have them edited early and we're still kind of trying to find a date to put those on the main feed, uh, we can almost guarantee you that they will probably be up on our Patreon at the $2 tier. We have so many really cool interviews and discussions that we haven't even put up on the main feed yet that uh, I really suggest you guys go subscribe to our Patreon too. Uh, or maybe you want some some uh, some uh, some exclusive content. Uh, you know, if you want some exclusive content, you want to subscribe to our five dollar tier, where we post at least one bonus podcast at the end of every month, guaranteed. Uh, right now, we are currently doing a read through series through our uh, I guess our sort of side podcast, the Manga Mavericks Book Club, uh, where we basically talk about different manga that we may have talked about on the show, but we kind of take the time to talk about more in depth, uh, volume by volume. Right now, we are covering Masabi Kurumada's Saint Seiya. Uh, we just uploaded a new episode of that on the Patreon. My good friend, Doctor, from the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast and I are going through the Saint Seiya manga for the first time. It's been one hell of a ride as we fumble through Saint Seiya. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've done about 10 volumes of that, so about five episodes of that series so far. 
Uh, and so, yeah, if you want to listen to that, again, that's at patreon.com slash manga mavericks at the $5 tier. Uh, just in general, you know, if you sign up for our Patreon, that's really the best way to support us and everything we do here at the Manga Mavericks podcast. Uh, but as for all comics specifically, you can follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. Or if you want to follow Manga Mavericks specifically, you want to follow us on Twitter at manga underscore mavericks or on Tumblr at mavericks.tumblr.com for all the latest updates on the podcast. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash manga mavericks, uh, where we have different excerpts of the podcast and even some exclusive content every once in a while. Uh, again, that's at youtube.com slash manga mavericks. Subscribe. Uh, email us anything at manga mavericks at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any thoughts on Kaiju number eight or uh, any thoughts on this particular episode, uh, really just any thoughts on the podcast or manga in general, uh, we'd love to get your emails and read them on the show. Uh, again, that's at mangamarics at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or basically uh, wherever the podcast is available. We're, we're available on all kinds of different platforms and everything. Uh, but especially on Apple Podcasts, it's very important that uh, you subscribe, rate, and review us. We really appreciate any uh, feedback we get on the podcast. Uh, Apple Podcasts especially, it really helps the visibility of our show. Uh, so if you have the time to, you know, uh, e- even if it's a negative review, you know, leave us leave us some feedback. We appreciate any feedback. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to be about it for the show. Again, uh, this has been episode 131 of Manga Mavericks on AllComic.com. And we will see you guys next time for episode 132. Bye, guys. Sayonara. Sayonara.